all guys gals and non-binary pals welcome to the newest episode of the noobs and knockouts podcast brought to you on youtube on spotify on google and apple podcasts i'm austin i'm a knockout watched a lot of wrestling i'm david i'm a noob haven't watched nearly as much wrestling and oh great scott i feel like we fucking traveled through time with this arc austin i feel like i've been sent on a proper journey through the past of what it was of what it was like the the awful desolate wasteland austin <laughs> the awful historical desolate wasteland of the vcr era i now understand what it's like all all the way ye back 40 years ago fucking trudge trudging through i guess 30 to 30 to 40 trudging through these bullshit ass dvds just in the in the blind hope that you could get something that you wanted Oh. Could you imagine going to your local video rental store and you see a new WWF tape in the new section, in the new uh, shelf, oh. and it's fucking Paul Bearer's tape, Masses from the Crypt. <laughs> I, I, I turn it on. Oh, yes! I'm going to show you re wrestling matches that have absolutely nothing to do with my theming and aren't really that good. Oh, oh, Austin, I uh, we we went on a harrowing cr cr chrono fueled journey with this with this arc, and I I now that we're at the end point, I feel I feel a changed man. I'm not sure how. But I feel something in me has—I I don't know—I suppose have has a greater appreciation for those dark, dark days of 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 yesteryear. I really think we managed to hit the highs and the lows of the no. Coliseum home video experience, and I didn't we even peaked, intend for we that. We peaked with we peaked with episode one, Austin. I still think that the world tour was the best episode yet. I <laughs> I, I I will. I, I, I solidly place it our second best for me. Bleepers, bloops, and body slams are the uh is the best one. And we continue saying it wrong to this day, and I refuse to ever say it correctly. I'm sure I'll okay, I I'm sure I might say it accidentally right. <laughs> uh, but for this episode, on our final one, I've decided I saved the best for last or tried uh -huh. to, as like Every I, you know, in doing research for this arc, I was I I just googled best Coliseum home videos, and, <laughs> and the height of academic research, of course. And after combing through various blog posts and forum, <laughs> and forum oh no, websites, oh no, well, there's not a lot of rigorous study into the idea. All right. Ah, no, not having to trudge through blog posts. No. Blog. How many? I had to read multiple blog listicles in oh. order to get a to get a really good sense of the best of the best here. <laughs> okay, please, please share with us, dear co-host, what the enlightened academics of the of the WordPress days. Have, and the enlightened academics of WordPress, uh, <laughs> pretty much this was this one we're watching tonight was almost universally at the top or near the top. Okay, like everyone put smack 'em, whack 'em, 
tonight's oh. videotape as a top video review. Not, I don't, I personally don't like making too many references to other bigger wrestling personality, internet wrestling personalities. But to emphasize <laughs> my point about how, like, this is the Coliseum videotape, OSW Review did a review of this tape during their new generation arc. Oh my god. Wow, we're digging we're we're we're, we're digging up the diamonds from the rough, huh? We are. And it's it's kind of held together by two historic moments in time. Okay. As this this features two previously never released and to my knowledge has never been re- re-released in any other format up to this point to my knowledge. Two Brett essential Bret Hart matches. Uh Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in the true first ladder match of the yes. WWF. And the house show match in Saskatoon. Uh, excuse me, Saskatchewan. I was gonna say, uh, wait, hold up. Other Saskatchewan thing. There's too many of them. There's uh, too many. Two is too in, many. In Saskatchewan where Bret Hart defeated Ric Flair to become WWF champion for the first time. Wow. I still can't believe neither of that shit got, like, televised. You had to- House shows, motherfucker! But, but, like, why the fuck was a title change happening on a house show? Well, this was, st- this happened in 1992. Okay. So, we are, I mean- we are- still in the ve- in the in the last dying days of house shows being significant yeah this like, won't even be the last time a, a title change hands on the house a war- the WWE title change hands on the house show but it will be one of the last okay i yeah cuz i know i guess like this is still in the landscape when they fucking like didn't fully grasp just how big a market TV was for them. 92 was still their weekly TV shows are still like squash, squash, squash. It is there to be as much an advertisement to come to a live show as it is to be telling and to buy the pay-per-views. Run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. But Austin, I, I find myself confronted with a, deep existential question why the fuck is this called whack'em smack'em and why do i feel dirty every time the title is spoken aloud smack'em whack'em stack'em fuck'em oh oh oh, i didn't realize it was one of those kinds of tapes oh you (laughs) you dog we truly are hitting all of the uh, of the we haven't we have only we haven't watched enough porn on this podcast, having only <laughs> yeah, done yeah, so damn. for WrestleMania. Yeah, let's go back. It's been far. Yeah, what we 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 got to watch. We got to watch some WrestleMania, which was you know some some good softcore. We got to see we got to see a little bit of uh, of you know classy uh, golden age BDSM porn with with Tommy Dreamer. Uh, being made to kiss woman's feet or whatever um and you know being like whipped over and over again i don't know it was it was really kinky uh i that's what i thought austin of damn i miss i miss the times we've watched porn on this show let's do it some more yeah of course absolutely uh, what we're so all about Here's smack the em, whack em is a <laughs> reference to 
the over i will just say it is a reference to the framing device of the of the tape oh oh i see i will not make any more references to such a thing because why spoil the surprise ah Ah, I I see. I see. We're the 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 framing device. Obviously, this is going to be viewed through the lens of uh the prototype for Dana White's slap fight or whatever the fuck. No, I think this is way more entertaining. Smack them, uh, whack them. But yes, oh, smack them, smack them, whack them. There are other matches on this tape besides two Bret Hart classics. Probably but matter much, but you know, I don't expect it to. But. <laughs> That the Bret Hart matches are like this is why everyone is like if you're gonna watch a Coliseum video, watch Smack 'em Whack 'em. I I do love me some Bret. I Bret does make me quite happy. I'm pretty sure he's somewhere on my top ten wrestlers list. Mm -hmm. Oh, also about the ladder match thing is basically it was a test run to like see if ladder matches could work in the WWF. That's a weird thing to say, but like basically before 94, you know, they weren't doing ladder matches in the WWE. The first one that was televised was Razor and Sean at WrestleMania 10. Yeah. Um, but it was a con it was, it was, but like Vince wanted a proof of concept. I believe Brett was kind of looking at it as like, this is a big match we did all the time in Calgary. Yeah. I was going to say really liked. This was, was something done on the indies prior to this, right? In other territories, yeah. I don't know where else, but I know I know Brett was coming at it from the perspective of Calgary. Yeah, did, he did a lot of ladder matches. It's not like TLC where Edge like personally pioneered it or whatever. Where they invented the match whole cloth. Yeah. It was it was yeah. like this existed elsewhere, but Vince wasn't sure about it. Uh, so he wanted he wanted Brett and Sean to go out there and have a ladder match with which I guess the theory was like if I don't like Brett versus Sean in a ladder match then I'm not going to like a ladder match. So that's, that's I mean that's it. a fair that's a that's a fair assessment. I do appreciate just like how resistant historically Vince has been to what have ended up being some of his like best calls. Um, and then all the shit that he's like super impulsively into is a lot of the like dumbest shit. Like yeah. I, I watched a whole fucking video uh, about a bunch of wrestlers that Vince was very not sold on at first. And it was just so many like banger favorite wrestler, banger favorite wrestler, banger favorite wrestler. And it's like, and Vince had to be talked into like all of them, man. It's, it's, it's Vince has always been someone a little bit resistant to ideas that aren't his own. <laughs> what we have to we have to really trick him into thinking that Unless, this one came from him to get it except, over. Except for Hulk Hogan, I guess. I guess he kind of was happy to kind of more or less ape what the AWA was doing with Hulk Hogan. I, and just well, put it yeah. on a bigger scale. Yeah, well. But, Okay, I'll say it like this. When Vince has been in a position of power over other wrestling in a relative strength within the industry, he has been more resistant to ideas that aren't his. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, and ideas that don't fit his, like, exact, perfect, like, idealized vacuum world of, of mm -hmm. wrestling. His little box. 
Yeah, so Brett and Sean wrestled in 93 in an Intercontinental Championship match in a ladder match just to kind of see how it would go. And obviously went well because then ladder matches became a staple of WWE programming. So, you know. Hell yeah, brother. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I am excited for those for those bits. Mm-hmm. So this this tape was released in February of 94, by the way. I don't know if that's, you know, super helpful or anything. Uh, but the the um, wrestling, uh, the uh, the peacock uh, description has, has only mentioned some other stuff that is not related to wrestling matches. So I'll go ahead and read that off for you. Ooh. Yokozuna gives some insight into his unique diet. Um, oh no! You see, I feel like I have actually seen this skit before, but oh, I, I no. feel like you could probably guess where this what the skit is going to be like uh, because he fat. is Japanese and fat, uh, so, fat and yeah. Japanese. Yeah. So. Oh no! Can't for that, and then. The Bushwhackers do some remodeling. Okay. Oh God, this one has skits on it. Oh man, they're of doing multiple skits. Oh no. So okay, I guess I'll. We've had Yokozuna on the pot. We've done Yokozuna before on this podcast. Um, yeah. So he's, I he's big in Japanese and has a big ass. He is a fake sumo wrestler. He yes. pretends to be a Japanese sumo wrestler, but he is very much Samoan yes. and has and never and has never competed in sumo ever. Wow. No way. What a shock. Uh, but the Bushwhackers. That's an interesting tag team there. Uh, yeah. Basically, they had a pretty lengthy and successful career in uh, New Zealand. They are New Zealanders. They are Kiwis, as they oh. say. And they had a really successful career in New Zealand and in Memphis as as the new sheep herders. Uh, Basically just two crazy, violent guys. As opposed Um, to the old sheep herders. I mean, I don't know anything about what the original sheep herders were like, but they put the new in front of them. The Ah. new sheep herders. Ah, yes. Uh, Super violent, I've heard. I've never watched any of their stuff from that era, but I've always heard it was like really hardcore shit. Uh, but then they come to the WWF and they are turned into the Bushwhackers, which is the complete opposite of what I just ex- described the Sheep Herders to be. They, they are, are now silly. complete silly comedy characters. They are goofy Kiwis who lick people's Kiwi-looking hicks who uh you know who lick people's heads and do the funny and do a funny march where they raise their arms back and fo- up and down huh, they, they've got funny accents we must we must make the people laugh at them oh, Bush, what we oh, have, yeah, we baby. have seen i don't know if we've watched the bushwhackers on this podcast i don't think i don't think we've ever been in the they've correct era to have a but av bushwhackers but we did in the in the TNA Christmas special. Uh, Butchwacker Luke appeared in that as a cameo as Eric Young's uncle. Yeah, no, we um we we've no we've seen them come up a couple times. We've at least seen them do um uh like interview segments before. I'm pretty sure. 
we might have gotten a bushwhacker interview when we did that one uh, when we did the the uh, the wedding thing with elizabeth yeah i think i remember elizabeth being there i think because because they were very much a late 80s to early 90s wwf and that is not ground that we have spent much time in man so so it's so speaking of vince and his ideas it's so fucking like him to take this great indie act and just like grind it through his mold until it comes out incomprehensible on the other end you know to be fair i i feel like they were they would probably tell you they appreciated the easier workload that comes with being comedy comedy dorks yeah that's probably fair as like workers but like like what does that do to your long-term like viability as a town like did their careers just fucking die after their time in the fed or did they get to go back to the indies or i mean by that point they're they're they were pretty old by the time they left the wwf and i mean okay i guess i mean you could you get i mean you're obviously going to make the argument that like this is what they're known for is being the bushwhackers nobody very few people remember the sheep herders it's fine to be known as like comedy wrestlers. Like I, I'm sure, I'm sure once he's retired, Danhausen will happily lean back and 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 take pride in how many how, how he got the people to laugh. It's more just like you know, I I I just I just always hate seeing people who's like I don't know reps get kind of destroyed by the dumb ideas they they get pushed with. I, I think it hel- I think it helps that most people would not know. <laughs> about the sheep herders it would you'd have to be you know one of the people who reads dave Meltzer in 1988 uh, to like know that this is the sheep herders and like look how you've massacred my boy <laughs> um <laughs> Meltzer, Meltzer, look how they massacred my sheep herders the sheep herders actually did get a five-star match in the observer what um, wait that's to, sick yeah let's see uh, observe. I'm gonna have to look up the specific match, but I know they have one. I know. When oh my god! Voters. I just don't remember the specifics. That's awesome, though. Fuck. List. Let's see. List of professional wrestling matches rated five star or more by Dave Meltzer, and this is actually a very big deal as he, before the 2010s, was ex- much more, much more um, stingy about giving out five star ratings. And he you know. got any game to like random New Zealand indie guys. That's awesome. Yeah. So let me like here's a random bit of bit of trivia here. The the sheep herders are were the ninth ever five star had the ninth ever Holy five fuck. star match. And in and if you want an idea of like it, don't let anybody ever tell you that Dave Meltzer was ever not a Japan mark. Because <laughs> the Sheep Herders versus the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers, taking place in Jim Crockett promotions during the Crockett Cup. Oh, shit. Very much a Southern American. That, that, you know, JCP is legit. Whoa. Um, they, that is the third match that had ever got a five star match outside of Japan. <laughs> If you want, I will go ahead and give a quick, a quick rundown of this now that I have this list up, and it's yeah. fascinating. The first ever five star match was Ric Flair versus Butch Reed in Championship Wrestling from Florida 
a very oh. big territory, a pretty power, a pretty strong territory back Fucking in its heyday. Florida, man, always it Florida. Was, yeah, it was if CWF was it was built around a lot of times Flair and Dusty Rhodes was the uh, two big names of championship Jesus. wrestling in Florida. Uh, then in '83, you have Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask in New Japan. That's a legendary match. I think I've watched that before. Ooh. Uh, 1984, we get the first year we have multiple five star matches as Kazu as Kuzo Yamazaki versus Nobuhiko Takata in UWF, the United Wrestling Federation, the Universal Wrestling Federation in Japan. There's like three different UWFs, that's the Japanese one. Yeah. Uh, then in then you also got Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen versus Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk in all Japan pro wrestling. Uh, in Dory 85, Funk? Uh, Dory Funk, Terry's brother. Well, shit. Before Terry Funk, you know, became a solo star in his own right, uh, hmm. he was also a tag team a tag team star with his brother Dory. Well, poor Dory, not not having nearly as famous a name these days. In 85, we had Kunaki Kobayashi versus Tiger Mask in All Japan. And then the very first women's five-star match oh. in 85 is the Lioness Asuka versus Jaguar Yakota in All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Oh! Uh, then in 86, Jumbo Tsuruda and Kinjaniku Tenru versus Riki Choshu and Yoshiaki Yatsu. A lot of legendary Japanese wrestlers in there. In All Japan... Then in 86, we also had Ric Flair versus Barry Windham in championship wrestling from Florida. And then here we are. The, in April 19th, 1986, the Fantastics versus the Sheep Herders in Jim Crockett Promotions. Yo, that's so that man, fucking the five the the the, the, the rating history is so is so wild. Well, you know, fucking congrats to the Sheep Herders. Well earned. I'm glad they got their their due as serious wrestlers before they went to to be to be silly comedy boys for yes. Now that I'm here for this, honestly, I kind of want to do some do some statistical breakdown for you. So in the 1980s, Meltzer rated 24 matches five stars. Uh huh. In the 1990s, Meltzer rated 65 matches five stars. You know, all Japan and New Japan were absolutely having between like all Japan pro wrestling, all uh women's the women's wrestling, the Joshi Shi, the all Japan women's wrestling scene, and New Japan pro wrestling, they were cooking over there in the Ooh. 90s. So, you know, a lot of five-star matches. In the 2000s, Meltzer rated seven matches five stars. Wow. Truly the darkest. He was time. getting real stingy on that one. Meltzer, um, base Meltzer is like, what the fuck is this in the 2000s? Uh, then in the 2010s, there were 67 five-star matches or higher. This is At this point, he started breaking the five-star scale and having matches be higher than five stars. It, it didn't have I'm surprised it didn't start happening until the 2010s because I know he broke it in the other direction for fucking hulk versus andre <laughs> oh yeah he gives out negative, negative stars. five stars yeah uh but the kazuchika okada versus kenny omega at wrestle kingdom 11 was six stars <gasps> the first higher than five star match that was a match that like i heard about that and was like i have to go out of my way 
to check this out. From Yo. Six, I got to watch the six-star match. Yo, I bet that be was that a guy. I bet that was so sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in the 2020 so far, he has given out 57 five-star or greater matches. It's just we're we're just we're just in the the peak era, Austin. There's not there's not there's there we're, we're this is truly the best timeline. Uh fun WWE related fact because I figured I because I just wanted to throw this out there <laughs> is that C- CM Punk versus John Cena is only the fourth um d- uh excuse me fifth wwe five-star match of all time at the time when he gave that wow out. and it was the first five-star match he gave wwe since 1997 wow that's wild mm-hmm. i i i i'm i'm a little surprised i feel like there's gotta be other matches between those two years that that rate up there but could be i i think the most interesting and i guess before we move i know we've we've we have completely derailed to talking about yeah. dave Meltzer's five-star rating system here hey I'm, this, I'm here I, 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 I like this i don't get a lot of chance to talk about this interestingly is the fact that daniel bryan despite winning the technical wrestler of the year award like seven years straight to the fact yeah. that they renamed the observer award the, the Daniel Dan, the Brian, Brian. Dan, the Brian Danielson award specifically. See, I that thought that reason. was a joke until I and, but no, it's legit. Yeah, he won it so many times. Meltzer just renamed it. Uh, oh my god! Daniel Bryan didn't have a five star rated match until uh, I have to. I think he did it when he fought Hangman. Uh, let. Yeah, or his Kenny match. Yes, his match with Kenny Omega in AEW in 2021 was the first match that was ever rated five stars of Daniel of Brian Danielson's by Dave Meltzer. Yeah, I know what the fuck because I know because I know um uh him versus MJF got what five and three quarters? Didn't it break the scale? Yes, five point seven five. Five point seven five. So like, and yeah, that was only D. Uh, that was only D, uh, BD's fucking second or third one. Um, yeah, he got a five star one with Hangman too. So yeah, it's his third. Yeah, dude, that that's so wild that it took oh, him until that moment. I didn't realize that Blood and Guts was given five stars. Was it? I thought it, it was. wasn't. No, I mean, oh. unless oh, my bad. This is double was, or nothing. So the, I was the anarchy, say. anarchy got five. Yeah. See, my, mistake. my <laughs> humble opinion, Blood and Guts should have gotten five stars. You know, maybe I'm a little biased there. Uh, I think. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder five. why that might be. I yeah yeah. I wonder. Like, I get it. I guess there there the I get it because of the ending, the way that match ended. I get why that would not lead to it being five stars. Like, it would have been five stars if fucking Eddie had gotten his had gotten the the tap out from Jericho. That would have been the five star moment. But still, fucking damn. That's, I, yeah, I remember seeing that it wasn't five stars and being big sad. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, the rating system. Funny. Wild stuff. There's always last so thing, much. Discord. You know, last, last thing, I swear this time. But this oh, they fine. have is there is a list of the promotions with the most fives or higher star matches. 
And what an interesting discrepancy this is. So there are five companies that have more than 10 five-star okay. matches. Number five, WWE at 16. Oh. Uh, tied for third is All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling at 19. AJPW. Uh, num- tied with it is AEW at 19. Oh. Oh and my. then here's a jump for you. All Japan Pro Wrestling has 35. Jeez. And then and, and then and then and then Japan, sitting outside take a the guess, Take a Dome. guess how many New Japan matches he's rated at five stars. Take a uh, guess. I, I'm gonna say 69. Nice. <laughs> nice, but but higher, 81. What? what the, oh my god, Meltzer. Meltzer fucking loves New Japan. I know he's such a fucking mark, dude. Like everyone's like, everyone loves to do the discourse about Meltzer's so mean to WWE. And you know what? Maybe even I can concede a little bit. The fact that between 1997 and 2011, nothing got five stars from him is probably probably a little hyperbolic on his part. But but the real discourse is that is that Meltzer comes a little every time he <laughs> he sees anything out of the out of the Tokyo Dome. Okay. Fuck. Yeah, crazy. Um, all right, just want to, as you know, this, this this has been a fun uh, diversion. Yeah, make up for the fact that I have little else to say about this. No, I like it. I like it. It's fun throwing in these little tidbits. Yeah. So we are anyway. Sheep herders. Now they're the bushwhackers, and yes. they are apparently doing some remodeling. Oh, Whatever sure that means. Great. And this tape is hosted by Lord Alfred Hayes. (gasps) Yay! Early British daddy. Yes. I am excited to see him be extremely flustered at at the weird wrestlers that are out there in this doing weird stuff. Oh, I say. What are you doing? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stoically flustered. He he can't show too much emotion. Then, Then I think he loses his British card if he does. Yeah, so... These the matches on this show outside of the Brett matches are kind of like that like transitional era from golden age to new gen. Yeah. In terms of like who's wrestling and how we're doing here. So fascinating. And, times. And, and, and how and how much we actually like lean on TV as a legitimate extension of our brand. Hey man, Raw's almost here. We oh, almost have oh. Raw. We're about to start raw dogging it. Oh, oh, oh. Uncut, oh. uncensored, and uncooked. Oh, we have to. We have to watch one of those early raws oh, on the show. I bet, it, I bet they're unhinged in just the stupidest way. A little bit. Got to get the Rob Bartlett episodes of Raw. Let's Who the go. Fuck is Rob Bartlett. He's a local New York comedian who they got to do guest. Oh, they got to do no. color commentary for the first ten episodes oh, of Raw. Oh, oh, that'll be great. It was, it was, it was very. As having watched all the episodes he's on, it feels very much like a, like a poor man's Will Sasso. And honestly, that's already that already could be construed as not a high bar. It's a real backhanded compliment you're giving there, buddy. Jesus. Yeah, but you know, I don't want to shit on Rob too much because he's that he's a super cool dude in IRL, and he's like, that's and he true. has and he has positive things to say about you know getting to fuck around in the WWF. 
he recognizes that most people do not in fact like him doing pop culture bits on commentary but you know <laughs> we appreciate a self-aware king on the new he's self he's aware and he's 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 he has he's fun that anyway. does get you a lot of bonus points mm-hmm. anyway smack him whack him oh uh, yes oh boy if, if you would oh, like boy. to watch along with us peacock we have we have been we have been you know going through this journey of Coliseum videos available on Peacock, NBC no, no. Universal's streaming service, and WWE streaming partner. That's um, the most it's the most random shit to make available on Peacock, but man, it's made our lives easier. Again, thank God that they started putting this shit on the network before they go into Peacock. Yup. Because if they didn't, they it wouldn't would have made never it. have touched it not not remotely they that shit would have died like they have there's no real incentive or reason for them to like continue to work through the smaller shows the smaller stuff that is art in their archives unlike what it was like with the network where you like we got to get these hardcore wrestling fans to keep buying into our shit yep <laughs> every month uh so, but it's a shame that they've stopped. They've pretty much effectively stopped putting up new stuff on people. Yeah, I know. It's there's so much more they could preserve, but that's not mm -hmm. the fucking model that Peacock wants to follow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, now that we've done being depressed about the state of streaming media today. Oh, hey. Uh, we're here to, to whack him and smack him. Hey. Yeah. Huh? Fun wholesome 90s wwf entertainment uh and we'll be back in the back half to discuss smack them and whack them oh boy and we are back we have finished wwf smack them whack them there was a lot less masturbation in that than i thought there would be <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i just i can't hear that title <laughs> we and have we have smacked it we have whacked it here it's my, my <laughs> better face for smacking it said diego smacking it whacking it smacking whacking it whacking it whacking it whacking it whacking it jacking for the law <laughs> and clearly clearly i'm not the only person who is weirded out by this title because as soon as we fucking open this thing we see lord alfred hayes saying welcome to the wwf smack em whack em with the same fucking tone as an 80 year old saying tick tock <laughs> so lord, like clearly everybody's a little weirded out by this title except most likely vince who was like oh, i absolutely yeah. want to hear who came up with this title and by vince. that i mean vince mcmahon and why he in particular he thought this was funny i don't understand i the secret austin was not revealed to me i feel no insights into the universe <clears throat> yeah i'm just conf left confused me um too. so we open this little tape <clears throat> with lord alfred hayes in a dilapidated house yes like all right reason. all right okay sure that's a hell of an opener and so Lord Alfred is hyping up how, you know, we, we're going to see the never before seen WWF title win by Bret Hart 
And and he yeah, also way to up, spoil it, by the way, Al. The entire tape was been very upfront, being like, guys, guys, this is the this is when Brett wins the title. Did and did like, we know already that Brett had the title by this point? I mean, this yes, he won it in September of '92, and this tape came out in February '93. So like, it's I, been known that he had the title. I just still can't believe that's not something you would tell <laughs> Nah, man. So bizarre. Fuck Saskatchewan. They're not... Saskatoon is not yeah, getting this, a goddamn Yeah, this episode. was Saskatoon. I was right you were accidentally. Right yes. I did not necessarily mean to say Saskatoon when I was set, meant for Saskatchewan, but it is in Saska- Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. He also... Lord Alfred also fucking... Um, talks about how we are going to see uh yokozuna uh a feature from yokozuna on as as he put it cooking for the single man which i am ready to talk yes i am too but also cooking for the single man i find it extremely hard to believe that yokozuna was not drowning in bitches i find that it it definitely sounds more like romantic in context than it is I know. Oh, I want to talk about that when we get to it too, because because my the the expectation I was primed for was vastly different than the actual like mm-hmm. what that actually turned out to be. And okay, for reasons that again the name of this show does not adequately explain. Nope. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes is like, why are we in this house? Well, it's because we're bringing in some people to do some home improvements, and they're bringing yep. in the bushwhacker. Man, if this were a different era, Tim Allen would totally be making a cameo appearance for this home improvement ass framing I, device. I would like to believe that Tim Allen has more dignity than to be in a Coliseum home video. I I said I'd like to believe. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I said like you to keep, believe. You keep you keep on you keep on believing that. Um. Yes. We we are. We, but like fuck. Name this name this episode uh uh Coliseum home video bringing down the house. But bada bing! All of a sudden, everything why the fuck is this called Whack'em Smack'em? That's a good question that I don't have an answer. But okay, the bushwhackers they come in doing they the, come in uh, and immediately see, I see them fucking trudging in like this, and I'm immediately like the these men had the ninth ever five star match in the history of, of WON. What are we doing here? And Oh, hey, how are you, you lordship? Hey, 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 hey. Nah, they oh, yeah. do not ever stop making noise. They, they, yeah. I we, have never had to sit through like ten minutes of bushwhacker content to understand realize this, but I, they never shut up. They I have vague recollections of promos we've seen from them, and I remember them being very noisy gentlemen. But oh man. I did but not yeah, realize like, okay, just how fucking persistent it was. Promo. Okay, that's yes. fine. Ted, they never stop. Like, if they're not talking, they're just kind of rambly noising. They must have been chugging water. They, they. I, I hope they chugged a lot of water to keep their voices intact, because I don't know how the fuck you keep that up at, for uh-huh. such a prolonged period of time. It, it's got to be, right? Just because Vince, Vince is just fascinated with their accent, so he tells them, 
just talk, talk as much as you can. I can't get enough of it. Hundred percent. He's got to be like hundred percent. It is. It's funny that the weird men with the weird accents just don't shut up. Yes, that's the humor. Here. Literally, that's the that's got to be the joke. <laughs> but oh like, there, the Bush the Butch, who I I want to give credit to myself for correctly guessing which Bushwhacker was talking first. Yeah, I had to I had to Google it. I'm not gonna lie. I was like Butch, and then I was proven correct. But Butch has claims that the Bushwhackers, who again I want to reemphasize this, are pro wrestlers whose gimmick is they're like weirdos in from the new zealand outback yes these two men have been hired by the biggest construction firm in america to make this house into a wreck house whatever that means i'm not and, even gonna question any of this lore it's it's they, too great the bushwhackers have decided this will be the bushwhackers wreck it room and I'm I, like, <laughs> what is happening so, here? Do they get ownership too when they when they make the improvements? Is that how this works? And if so, why are they getting hired by somebody to do this? Does that person get a cut of whatever this turns? What what is it? What does any of this mean? I, I don't think I can trust the biggest construction firm in America. If they're like these two dudes, these are we, we, these they are they are going to be the ones to fix up this house. They got a five-star rating in the, in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. I mean, not just anyone can do that. They must be good at everything. Of course. That's the like, only. As it's well known that five-star ratings by Dave Meltzer are a good indicator of, of, of architectural ability. ability. Obviously. That's what they're getting five stars for. They built a great match. If you can build a match, you can build a house. True. Fucking true. That's what I'm always saying. I'm pretty sure. Uh, fuck. What was his name? The guy who did Falling Water. I'm pretty sure that was his. That was his motto. I don't know who you're talking about, so I can't. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Here. Frank Lloyd Wright. I'm pretty sure famed, cla- famed architect. Frank Frank Lloyd Wright said said that. I think that's a quote from him, actually. All right. So oh Alfred Hayes is like, so what's the first step? And I didn't realize this was going to be a bit. Um, as Butch says, well, safety has to be number one. Is yes. The, the first step is always safety. So the Bushwaggers are like, we got to make sure Lord Alfred is safe. So yeah. Luke grabs a helmet and Alfred is just like, wait, what? Yeah. What, what do you Alfred mean? Alfred thought I need he, to could, be he could be the supervisor. Well, except except this doesn't make sense because even if you were just standing around supervising, you definitely should have some fucking protective gear on. Uh, you... The 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 bushwhackers here are actually the bushwhackers say we need to comply with OSHA. Oh, they are a hundred percent correct with that. But also, yeah, I was gonna say is does Lord Alfred Hayes doesn't seem like the type of person who knows much about the home improvement construction process. Well, yes. Which, so, which is which makes it very funny because they put like the hard hat on him. They start to put the goggles on, realize and they, can't, they can't get it over the hard hat, so they, so they got to take, take the, the hat, hat off and then put the goggles on. And I, I have to say, with because because Lord Alfred Hayes, of course, in like a full suit, uh, 
to to present as he always is. It's not a, like a fucking full ass tuxedo like he wore on the train episode, right? But, but he's wearing a good. He's wearing he's wearing, nice he's wearing a suit. In this shitty house. Yeah, and I have to say, like with the with the hat and the goggles on him, it kind of made him alongside the suit made him kind of look like a a supreme corporate douchebag. Like he's one of those assholes from corporate who's here to like check on the project, see how it's oh, going. Oh yeah, you know. So like he does look the part in that respect. Yeah. And then they put a tool belt over top of his suit jacket. I thought that was kind yes. of funny. But then best bit, best part of this bit is now Alfred's like, now hold on, hold on, guys. I mean, I don't want to get my hands dirty here. And Boone's like, you're right. Don't we worry about that because we got some great gloves for you. They, this doesn't say we have bushwhacker gloves. They keep branding everything as bushwhacker product. Like, we have, we got some bushwhacker gloves for you. Uh, or we, we, got, we got a nice bushwhacker hard hat like why is everything book bush do, do, do you guys have a fucking construction surplus business too that we don't know about maybe they do have some kind of prominence in this industry none of us has ever knew about it and then suddenly butch has a sledgehammer in his hand where did he get that no oh no why did anybody let him have triple h is about to sue somebody uh, true if only he wasn't Jean-Paul Levesque. In oh, I have, a, I have a thing to say about lawsuits later on in this episode. All right. So they're about to get ready to line up to hit the wall as we uh, to go take out a wall as we move on to the first match of the show. And what a hot start. Oh, yeah, baby. Tape. Oh, it yeah. The Berserker versus crush yeah the fucking viking guy yeah the berserk if you don't know the berserker is basically what do you if you think of a viking but a viking in a cheap community theater uh, true then you get the berserker you get the oh my god that costume is so shitty it was clearly like clearly in the community theater analogy this is a guy who was cast just because he had a big beard and yeah, that, and they're and, like, and, we need you to be the Viking. Yes, and, and also like, we have a shitty costume. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, and Crush is again a Shaka bra, uh, a shock- but he is he is still a good Shaka bra. He is not a bad Shaka bra yet. Yes, uh, he's a he's also a white Shaka bra from Hawaii. Um, yep, we got a whole bunch of Samoans. We got a whole bunch of Islanders, but now nah, we got to have the the whole the guy who's hailed as being from Hawaii be a white dude. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of descent, is that Lord Alfred Hayes goes on about how the Berserker has legitimate Norwegian descent, to which I yeah. could not confirm online. Well, oh, no. That's... I tried, but, you know, it's tough. Yeah, and, well, because Lord Alfred Hayes proceeds to try to claim that, like, you know, he speaks he speaks Norwegian, he can yada, yada, yada. Uh, oh, is that what that random nonsense he was saying all the okay. whole match was? Was that yeah? Norwegian? So 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 yeah. That that's the thing is like Lord Alfred Hayes claims that this man speaks like fluent Norwegian and shit. And I already was pressing X to doubt on that one. Um, again, we just hired the guy with the big enough beard to look like a convincing Viking. But the Berserker has this thing where throughout the entire hush, match, hush, hush, he yells the word hush. 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 I'm Huss. glad you also Huss. thought he said Huss, Huss because Huss. that's not how I wrote it. Was Huss. Huss. No, Huss. I think so. Huss. 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 Because Huss. Um, Gorilla Monsoon's on commentary with Alfred Hayes. And after Alfred says the thing about, like, the Berserker speaks 
fluent Norwegian. Grills like, I still don't know what Hus means. And Lord Alfred's like, ha, no do I. And they just they just roll with that. You know what? Let's let's fucking look this up. N- nor what happens if I get if I just look up Norwegian Hus? I now also want to look this up and see what happens. Hus. Uh Hus means house in Norwegian. H-U-S means house. House, 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 house. Oh, wow. Maybe that's why they fucking picked. There's no fucking way that they They, knew. Damn, they should have brought the Berserker in to that fucking house construction project. There is no way. If they brought the Berserker in, that would be the best clever joke that the WWF has ever done. That would be hilarious. But also, I don't think anybody, like, what? What is this? Artists house. Yeah. Does Hus mean anything in Norwegian? What Nor- I don't know. I don't it's, he's just making noise. I don't know. Um Yeah, Hus looks like it means house in Norwegian. So he's just yelling house over and over again. Yeah, so this match, I I mean I did take notes on it, but it was honestly like a very boring big man match. Yeah. The, okay. Lord Alfred, man, the attempts to put people over in this one are weird. Lord Alfred just try to, he tries to lie directly to our faces by saying the Berserker is one of his favorites, which no, the fuck he isn't. Stop, X, stop saying that. X. X, huge X. Um, Crush, like, the, the there's this weird thing in this match where, like, so Crush seems, like, barely activated this entire time. Okay. And, I've, and... I'm... I feel Please. like I know what you're about to say, and I have notes on this. And, and, and like, w- in contrast, the Berserker is, like, a cartoony buffoon about everything. Like, he feels very much of the Golden Age. There's this bit where, like, the Berserker tries to body slam Crush, and Crush just, like, no-sells it for no reason at the beginning of the match. Like, I don't I don't know what the fuck is, is going on here. Um... And, like, that's, like, kind of the entire match. Is like, Berserker tries to pull some shit. He sometimes succeeds. But then Crush just kind of, like, extremely nonchalantly does shit to, um, to, to, to get back, uh, to, to try to take control of the match back, essentially. And the Berserker, his response to this is kind of, like, it's very Looney Tunes, like, fear of crush like it feels like they're trying to sell crush as like this big freaky mega powerful dude so much so that like the berserker can be trying to execute a move on him but if crush looks like he's gonna like actually withstand it at all the berserker just kind of like stops short of doing the thing and i don't know it's just yeah all right what what was this leads into the thing the story commentary is trying to tell in this match which is like yes what a burial of the berserker this conversation is. So they are like, they're trying to sell this idea that like the berserker like can get, is an actual badass, but like three quarters of the way through him doing anything, he just kind of loses concentration and just kind of. Yes. Let's uh, this, his mind this, this, this wander. Isn't a point they make t- this isn't a mo- the point they make toward till till toward the end of the match. But yeah, Lord Alfred literally says, uh, it appears as though the Berserker gets three-fourths of the job done, then just goes bananas. Uh, you you might even say he's going uh, a berserk. <laughs> but like... Uh... Uh, but 
not like I don't. This was such a fucking slow paced match. Berserker was Berserker was like doing shit and then just kind just of stops. Yeah, he's an idiot and Crush just. I can't, like, Crush was a fucking, like, stagnant statue throughout this whole thing. I can't think of a single fucking thing he did. He was, yeah. like, lethargic. Um, at one point, Gorilla Monsoon says on commentary, sometimes Berserker seems to have no direction. I'm like, you damn right, brother. You damn He's right. No direction. He, he ain't uh, going nowhere. Yeah, apparently he also got fired by Fuji. <laughs> And for not listening to him, and I laughed. Yeah, at that. what the fuck is this whole like? Is this whole like he used to work with Fuji, but not anymore? Like, is the Berserker turning face by going away from Fuji, or like? No, he is just an idiot. He's still so a literally they broke him up from Fuji because the character was so fucking stupid they couldn't just. They're like him being we like, like Fuji. They were like, listen, Fuji, we got you doing a big thing with Yokozuna. And we can't have you working with this stupid clown. Yeah, because like Fuji Reads is like really like dis- discerning and exacting and like you know competent, which the Berserker and that says who... and that says and that says so with a lot of the people he's managed, Demolition, the Oriental Express, yeah, uh, Yokozuna, guys who are portrayed as pretty serious dangers. Whether you think the gimmick their gimmick is stupid, or, stupid not. or not, but Berserker is just an idiot. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a weird fucking angle for them to go with. Also, um, commentary, God, Lord Alfred and, and Gorilla Monsoon together on commentary. They are, those are, those are two guys who they, they're like kids in a classroom who definitely should not sit next to each other. Cause they do not, they don't give up. Uh, man com- uh, i feel like we- we've watched so many of these tapes and it feels like commentary across all of them just does not give a fuck give a shit about what they're doing a singular fucking fuck fucking um th- they start talking about how lord alfred wants gorilla monsoon to take him on a cute date to the liberty bell they got talking about like american <laughs> monuments and they like Oh, Lord I, Alfred got I mixed I up missed, about what I missed some of the context of that. It, it, I don't. I can't remember the full context. They were talking about like some American landmarks and wh- wherever they were for for this match. Like Lord Alfred thought the Liberty Bell was there, but it was actually like something else he was thinking of. Um, and Gorilla, you know, he talks about how you know he's been to the Liberty Bell before, and Alfred's like, you know, you'll have to take me there sometime. Um, and so so yeah, Lord Alfred wants Gorilla Monsoon to take him on a cute date to the Liberty Bell. Um and the and off of that conversation, Gorilla makes some quip essentially about how like yeah, those fucking like the the what the Liberty Bell stands for in the historical context of the American Revolution. And he basically says he says something that amounts to like you you know, you you <laughs> You English pig sow deserve no dignity for trying to subjugate almighty America. And Lord Alfred's only response is like, pip, pip, jolly ho, indeed. Like, yeah, Lord Al, Lord Al still got to be the cutesy little British guy here. Yeah, like, like, fucking Gorilla Monsoon just says something like, basically just shits on England for a second for, you know, cracking the Liberty Bell or whatever. And Lord Alfred just gives no pushback. He's like, he's like, ah, yes, go America, USA, you. Yeah, so oh my God. Berserker apparently needs Adderall or whatever medication you take. Yeah, to, you know, man, it's so hard. It's so hard to get your to get your 
hands on medication. Clearly, he's got a bit of a tick too with that whole Huss thing. I I just yeah, hope he got the help that he needed. Yeah, I mean the WWF locker room in the '90s, you know, was very much a drug-free place. a drug-free environment, as we all know, as we are famously. Uh, famously, we, we famously drug-free famously, environment famously, the wwf everybody, locker room. <laughs> everybody's straight edge around around these parts sir wholesome yeah. wholesome christian locker room uh i think the f- most fascinating thing i saw in the match was crush kicks berserker in the back of his thigh and berserker does a split <laughs> fuck like, you right oh, but it wasn't right? even a full split like he went down on his knees or whatever he couldn't even mm-hmm. fully splay his legs out because yeah. Berserker can only do everything three fourths of the way, I guess. Okay. Um, so then and, crush and, and the match, the skull crusher. Which yes. Is, okay. This is so stupid. It is a submission move where you just like put your fists and drive. I know it's not even your fists; it's like your hands. He fucking like. Oh, he did, he did hand style. He, oh, it's so, it's it's full hand style. It's like you oh grab. Oh my god! You grab the upper head. You by the side squeezing. of their head and squeezes which, it. Which, which is, to be fair, if you were actually doing that, that would be probably pretty uncomfortable. Okay, but um, here's the thing: how do you not get out of that? And this is even the mat. This is even the move I'm most offended by this concept with this idea in this tape but how the fuck do you just get like your head pressed in and you just stand there and do nothing about it Um, and you just well i guess i'll die uh it's disorienting maybe uh that's a good point i didn't even think of that like wow that's a fucking stupid your feet are yeah Literally, it's just your head is being. Man, I knew something looked weird about that shit, and I didn't. I couldn't put my finger on it. You, anyone can escape it. Obviously, fuck that. Also, like I love how like when because Crush is still a face at this point, and he's very over for some reason. He Um, is more over than he should be for being a face. I'll tell you that. And when he comes out, everyone's like mashing their like hands together like it's the like they're doing the head crush i think I think, he has, like, I think he did bits on tv where he would like squash things if with his hands yes so people are doing like that and and once he does the submission on the berserker um of uh, we cut to a bunch of kids who are doing the hand motion and it just man it just made me think of how many fucking kids like gave their classmates mild headaches on the playground trying to by use a skull, skull crusher skull. yeah yeah, I know. Oh my god, that's such a bad info. <laughs> All right, so oh. we are back in the house. The bushwhackers uh, put their protective safety gear on. Yes. Well, well, that was a tremendous start to smack them, whack them. No, was it, it wasn't. Was it no, Al? It was not. Uh, so was the not. bushwhackers are like they want to put in. They want to tear down this wall. Also, I want- I need to point out after I praise them for being OSHA compliant in the last segment, but. Bushwhacker Butch has managed to put his hat on his his hard hat on in just the wrongest way. It like, falls off multiple it's times. Sideways and it falls off multiple times. And it just kind of like I get the feeling it, like he over over the course of the tape, he and he and Bushwhacker Luke just they I, I think they just kind of broke their hats more and more in order to like make them look worse fits on their heads with every mm-hmm. new fucking scene. I mean, um, the safety thing is a bit. So it like, is a whole bit. Yeah, 
yeah, at this point, like, and, and they're, so they're going up trying to, like, measure a window. No, no, hold on, hold on. I got to think okay. before they do this measuring stupid shit. Um, okay. So there, he's got the sledgehammer. And he's like, we're going to knock down this wall because you want to make a window here in the Wreck-It house. Not only is this a room with plenty of windows already, Mm-hmm. In the shot, in the shot of them standing in front of the wall talking about how they're going to tear this down so they can make a window, you can see a window in the shot. Well, clearly their architectural expertise dictated that that window was fucking stupid and they needed a new one. Yeah, so obviously, but, but, I guess. So Butch is like about to smash this wall, and Luke is like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on," is. We gotta measure the wall. And so they run up to this wall and with tape measures, and they are allegedly measuring this wall, but it just feels like they're just randomly yelling out numbers. They're unintelligibly gibbering this entire time. They're like, I got Man. eight, I got eight, four, 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 I got twelve, 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 forty-six, forty-six. Property Brothers looks a lot different than I thought it would. You know, I've never actually watched Property Brothers, but this is not what I was expecting. HGTV's standards are so low. <laughs> Man, they you can just put fucking you can put any anything with a house on that on that channel and they'll just and they'll just air it, can't you? God damn. I don't know yeah. why why weren't we supposed to be watching wrestling, Austin? Why the fuck are you making us watch an HGTV show? That's a good question because I hate this whole podcast, clearly. Um obviously. So- so Luke marks an X on the wall to show where they're supposed to hit the wall. Yes. And then Butch hits about two feet below. Well, no. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're like, no, you did the math wrong. Uh, we need to, we need to fucking basically they do a do your multiplication tables, kids, bit. And then, oh no, cousin Luke, I think we went a little low. And, but they're like, it's okay because then we, we got to squat down to look out the window. Hey, even the dog can see outside of this window now. I miss that. Fine. Part. I miss that part. Yeah. yeah they, I, all, all I remember is just them talking all of a sudden about how they need to do fucking multiplication. They turn to the camera, like, remember, kids. They, they, these, tables. I got I got a thing about later about them giving out bad advice to children. Uh, oh yeah! But as they are just hammering the wall with with a sledgehammer, we cut then to the second match, and I had a and I was like, oh no, it's oh, no. the Repo it's Man. The Repo Man. <laughs> okay, so I I have to explain the Repo Man to you all. Please. So the Repo Man is ostensibly what it sounds like a guy who repossesses people's stuff when they yeah. can't make their payments on it. Right. Except, Except he look. they, I don't think Vince McMahon knows what a repo man is. Well, I think it, see, I thought it was supposed to be tongue in cheek because the entire time this man gets treated like he's really just a car thief. That, that might be part of it is I thought that probably is it, but he, he dresses, he wears like a domino mask and he's got like a creepy little trench coat. Hamburglar ass. He dresses like the Hamburglar and he like looks like a little rat man. Uh, and then he's coming to repossess your shit. And he doesn't even repossess things that people owe money on. I know. Earthquake is. 
he gets into a feud with the macho man and where he repossesses macho's hat but macho doesn't owe money on the hat (laughs) what 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 that that's a thing that happened that's not like it's like macho man's first feud on monday night raw was him and the repo man what what yeah okay well i have see i have i do kind of have comments about about that that could tie into that so yeah um he his his opponent tonight is earthquake i guess he's trying to fucking repossess earthquake's tectonic plates or something yeah, i don't uh, according know. to and according to gorilla monsoon the repo man beat typhoon which is something i refuse to believe and yeah well a thing for that some happens. reason they spend this match painting him as like weirdly powerful i have like, so many notes related to the idea of the repo man hits moves and does well what the fuck yeah i know <laughs> i know uh commentary tries to like break down his in-ring psychology in the weirdest way possible like basically relating how he fights in ring to how he goes about stealing cars i i or don't just even anything. remember it was He's... it was so unintelligible yeah the repo man okay a good a, a bit that i thought was actually kind of funny in the beginning of this match is so he hits the earthquake like a few times and then he turns around and goes, now I got him. And immediately earthquake starts whooping his ass. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, he repo man has earthquake in like a headlock move and he go and he yells out. Now I got him. And immediately earthquake gets up <laughs> from the, movie. okay. That's actually kind of charming. Yeah, it was funny as fuck, but the repo man just like, he takes Earthquake down. Earthquake yeah, is, Earthquake is because you, as you think for his name, he's like four hundred pounds. He's he a, big a big hoss. dude, and and, and, and when people go up against him, they struggle to do anything with him. Yeah, and he is out here like just getting his ass kicked by some twink in a domino match. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's oh going my... on here. Yeah, and and like. At one point, Earthquake gets Repo Man in the corner and is, like, chopping him or something. And commentary's like, we don't normally see this kind of punishment given to the Repo Man. What, does he tend to not get hit? Does he, like, he does well? This is not just some comedy jobber? Not in 92, it's not. Yeah, so Repo Man is putting up a decent fight against the earthquake somehow commentary could not give less of a shit. They spend a couple minutes ruminating on the the type of life that a cameraman must lead. They could Hayes and gorilla could not care less. They could not give less of a shit. Um, Um, and, and fucking after like five minutes, earthquake manages to regain control. He gets the repo man down. He starts (laughs) stomping. Um, man, this what a time this was you could have like a shitty five minute match that is bad and poorly paced and does not do anybody in the match any favors but like the audience will go fucking nuclear when the face does their finish because like earthquake starts stomping around and the audience loses its mind tremors are go are going are going what a time this was man earthquake he hits his big move which is jump and sit on him 
Yes. Which, according to Gorilla Monsoon, looked like a nine on the Richter scale. Oh, thank you, Gorilla. And he sits on the Repo Man and wins. Um, walkity, walkity, walk. So we get back to the house, and Butch now has a power saw, and <laughs> they, uh, he, and then they're like, "Hi, mom!" And they just start shouting out their mothers and how proud they are. They, they, uh, yes. they are of them. And and at this point, Luke's Luke's head is also fucked up. They've both taken like that plastic lining that yeah. you actually put on your head and just fucking i swear to god they just ripped that shit between takes just mm-hmm. to make it look increasingly goofy yeah. and mean, they're they're also murdering the fuck out of this poor wall there are yeah. rough, sh- they, rough they do not know what they're doing about this wall not um, in the slightest they i wrote i wrote i quoted luke on this don't worry mummy you know we've done this plenty of times it's not something i want to hear about the bushwhackers handling power tools nope oh god i can only imagine then, the heart attack and then Butch, he goes up the wall, and then he hits something. And they're like, whoa, what was that? And they're like, they don't think it's a pipe or anything. Oh, they think something's mm. just stuck up there. So Luke just reaches his hand. Into blind his, reaches. Blind reaches his hand into this wall, which is, don't do that, kids. I, as, <laughs> as all the most experienced uh uh architects and, and home builders do and he pulls out an electrical cord like a torn open yes. ended electrical cord yeah and completely uncovered oh and god luke then proceeds to ask alfred to hold the cord and, and alfred's this, like no what the fuck what the fuck is wrong with you absolutely and alfred's not. no longer wearing his gloves for some reason presumably so we can make this, this this bit, bit work, but also like, happen. but also like, why the fuck isn't he wearing his gloves anymore? And it's at this point where safety first clearly becomes a bit, as the bushwhackers are like, the bushwhackers never ever put safety second, and they swear it's safe because there's no electricity in this house, except there definitely is, because there even though there is, is there, there, there is on. naturally natural light coming into this house, they are still clearly in a lit room so no this electricity is still absolutely in this house and so they hand the wire to alfred they convince alfred to take the wire and we get a smash cut to alfred pretending to be electrocuted he keeps yeah this, like, they're like shining his... blue lights on him now he's making a silly face <laughs> and like they're shaking the camera they do the stock sound effect of... <laughs> yeah it's like oh my it was god. the dumbest oh my god and then the light and then the lights go out in the fucking... hey, hey cousin luke i think someone turned off the electricity oh my god so so eventually they get a fucking flashlight. We just see Alfred fried to a crisp up against the And they're wall. like, oh my god, we just killed a man. We just yeah, yeah. Bushmikers just fucking recorded a negligent workplace murder on camera. Osha would like to know your location, motherfuckers. So but the Butch, he tries to like transition to mean gene to mean gene segment while he's trying to start doing CPR. Like, he's like, yeah, Luke's like cousin Luke. Do CPR, and and of course Luke's or Butch's whatever Butch's version of CPR is like vaguely pressing his hands against Alfred's chest while Alfred like mimes. 
does yeah, the yeah. those compressions have any like, kind of effect on him? I, I, well, well, Alfred is standing upright. By, by the way, way yeah, yeah, he is CPR, dead, a thing that is standing famous, upright in the flashlight. CPR, a thing that is famously done with somebody standing in an upright position. Yeah, this I like wanted to find this funny, but it was too over the top. It was. I appreciate. I, I found it funny, but not for the reasons. It, I did yeah, not no, find it funny. It wasn't in an funny in the way they wanted me to think. This it's was funny, funny in the this is so extremely fucking dumb way. Yeah. Uh, but oh man. Oh boy. Here is also something funny in a dumb way, I think. But we get mm. to Mean Gene Okerlund sitting in a Japanese restaurant with Yokozuna and yeah, Mr. Okay. Fuji. Okay, fucking. When, when I was told that we would be getting a segment from Yokozuna on cooking for the single man, I thought we'd get like the fucking Yokozuna like chef show. I was so excited to see Yokozuna like preparing some ridiculous pseudo Japanese no. dish for us. No, no it's this is it's, him it's, eating Japanese it's, food. It's, it's Mean Gene with Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji at a fucking mm. hibachi restaurant. Um, Fuji. This is not what i was hoping it would be yeah the cooking for the single man the single man is yokozuna this the bit here is look at this fat man eat food um so uh, not great considering how he passed away yes but fuji (laughs) is trying to show off yokozuna's diet how he maintains his weight and let me tell you tell me let me tell you gene san uh, yeah he keeps saying gene san because of course we we start with a nice appetizer of steak and shrimp and five to ten pounds of steamed rice i will say at least i think fuji is actually japanese i I think i believe he okay I have that's no one reason. they got one yeah and he he's like and they are and mean gene claims that yokozuna Zuna eats fifteen thousand calories a day and which is wild which um, could be i could believe you but you know yeah they they bring out an they bring out an appetizer of of sushi for, for okay. the table. So which before, like before they bring out the appetizer, though, is they bring out the chopsticks. And yes, there's a lot of comedy here of mean gene is culturally ignorant. Mean gene has apparently never eaten Japanese food before. Which this, this this is like this feels like this is playing to like the middle America of 1993, who definitely like, doesn't know anything about Japanese cuisine. Dude, I legitimately couldn't tell how much of that was this was a bit from Mean Gene. Because he delivered everything in this segment so earnestly that I kind of, by the end, was legitimately believing that he had never, like, encountered Japanese cuisine. He's too before. good at the straight man of this. We don't know if he's doing a bit. I can't tell. Yeah, but I at least in kayfabe, he has never eaten Japanese food before. He's and like... He is, he can't do the chopsticks as to how the fuck chopsticks work. He can't do the chopsticks. Fuji's obviously making fun of him about it. Fuji's yes. like, if you can't survive without the chopsticks, you use your hands. Yeah, and, and Mean Gene's like, oh, that works for me. He's like, all right. And Fuji's he like, hey, if you can't eat your food, that's more for Yokozuna. True. And then, and then they bring out the appetizer. And Mean Gene's like, like, is this? Fuck, what, since when do you get served sushi as, as an appetizer at hibachi? I need that shit. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty neat. Uh, oh. But Yoke, Maggie's like, is this raw fish? Like Mean Gene yes. acts like he doesn't. He has never heard of sushi before in his life. 
not he not eating it he doesn't know what it is yes he is like freaking out at the thought of eating raw fish i legitimately can't tell how much of it is a bit <laughs> yeah uh there's a funny moment as you see in the background of him like trying to eat the sushi like mean gene like stabs one of his pieces of sushi with one singular chopstick like he's yes. trying to like kebab it <laughs> and he just like grabs a piece with his hands. They're like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You can do that. Yeah, it's fine. And then he dips like he dips it in like this like sauce that yeah. That Yoko. And he's had. like, oh, well, that this is that, pretty that's good. Bad. Yeah. And then, and and then, then they point Yoko points they, him to, to, the, to wasabi the wasabi that is on the plate. And he's like, hey, put it in that, man. Yeah, and, and Mr. And Fuji's like, get that shit all over that sushi. And then so, of course. He, he does a big like, old dip of the wasabi. And he's like, oh, God, it's so hot. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. With it, although I have to give Gene some credit here in that he does the, oh, God, it's so hot thing for like five seconds. And then he's totally fine. So, like, for everything I know about wasabi, it is very hot. So, what this makes it seem like is me and Gene is actually a fucking, like, genetic freak who can withstand high amounts of of sp if, like spice with relative mean, ease if only mean gene could have been on a hot ones true if only if only mean gene could try a fucking ghost pepper and, and give his give his uh his two cents mm -hmm. on it you know yeah so we get a sushi eating montage which yeah. is where where yoko is just stuffing and stuffing and stuffing dude this whole and like and we we cut to mean gene a couple times trying out sushi of his own and all the the cameras all at angles and we're getting way too up close to people's faces it feels like a bad drug trip in the middle of a fucking hibachi restaurant yeah so they're done eating and me gene is like wow i cannot believe you know that just watching yokozuna is making me full and he's like well this has been great guys and mr fuji's like no hold on just you wait for the entree yeah i was because i was like i was like what the fucking hibachi is this are they even gonna do they did actually bring out a hibachi shit? They did so the shit, neat. they did the hibachi shit. Um yeah. and Gene is like Gene is like horrified at the thought there's more food, but then he's like, oh, you know what? You know what? Let's just go for it. All right. I'll Why say. Not? Send and then it. in comes Lou, a, a hibachi style chef. Yeah. Uh, mean Gene is like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, let me tell you this, and and mean Gene, and mean Gene asks him, asks Yokozuna, if he's like, do you like Lou's cooking? Because they try to present this as if like Lou is like a personal chef for uh, Yokozuna. Um, I was that what they were going for? I mean, they I said, guess, they, I guess they, they there's a line or two that kind of lean into it. Yeah, yeah, they do kind of claim that like they come to this restaurant on a pretty like regular yeah. basis, and so. so sure. Gene is like, do you like Lou's cooking? And uh, Yokozuna allegedly says, Oshi. I couldn't hear him, so I don't yeah. know what he said. But but Fuji's like, he said, oh, Oshi, very good, very good, is yes. what he said, which I also did not fact check whether that is Japanese for very I don't good. know, man. So, and so, the, you know, the hibachi chef guy is doing the hibachi chef theatrics. He's you doing know, the whole thing. He's doing the flippity flips and he's doing the knock, the knockity knocks. And Yokozuna is apparently getting mad at this. His face looks the same the whole time. Yeah. Fuji doesn't have time for this shit. He's like, he's like, like hurry up, this up. Food. And so, okay. Lou is apparently making steak and shrimp for 10 people. And Mean Gene is like, well, I mean, there's well, three hold, hold men the here, up. fella. I don't know what that's for. And, and then he like, 
mid-sentence realizes the implications that yes. Yoko is going to eat for, like, eight people. <laughs> also, like, Mean Gene, like, like the Hibachi chef gets the, gets the stove going and starts, like, cooking shit up. And Mean Gene, like a fucking toddler, reaches for the stove and is like, it's like now is this and he like he pulls his hand away. He's like, and well, that's really hot. Not to do it. Oh my god! Yeah, what fucking toddler ass mean Gene over yeah. here doesn't know not to touch hot stoves. I guess. Um, yeah. So and Lou, and and Lou, like, yeah. Oh, there you go. Ahead. I oh you, well, fucking Lou. So Lou gets the whole thing going. We we cut he to gets, a little bit later when the huge steak bowl. Is, he gets this huge bowl of rice. Huge bowl he of rice, which put... which fucking which stays on that goddamn stove for way too long. Like they get through multiple. He moves. Like... He, I think he moves it. He moves it over away from where it's the heat is in the stove. Okay, like I... he moves it well, to the corner of the stove. See, after he that, puts it that on. would make sense, except for the fact that fucking that's also the area where Mean Gene put his hand over and is like, "Well, hey, that's fucking hot." Hey, bro. Hey, whoa. Kayfabe now. Hold on. Oh, Shush. That's um, stupid ass kayfabe. Okay. So then he puts on apparently five to six pounds of yep. shrimp. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. One more thing on the rice, though. Either way, he's doing it the fuck out of order. You do the rice first. Yeah, rice comes last, as we're about to find out. Um, I guess. But, okay, Gene is like, this is all way too much food, man. And Fuji is like, hey, man. Don't say that in front of Yokozuna. You'll make him upset to talk about make food like that. Bad. <laughs> and so Lou also brought out like a dozen ribeye steaks, like an absolutely yes. absurd amount of steaks. Oh, and absurd. So, so then he let we we cut to later where the steaks are now cooked. And so he starts like chopping and dicing and cutting up the steaks. And he plates two steaks for Yokozuna. Uh, on when everyone else gets one and then fuji's like hey give me more food more more yeah fuji and, starts harassing poor lou here who's not yeah. getting paid nearly enough for any of this shit and apparently and i wrote yoko just pounds like nine steaks and then i also wrote what about the rice this is where i, I know I literally why rice. is the rice still on the stick take that shit off it's you were supposed to do the rice at the start chef so we get a montage of Yokozuna eating steaks. And at the end, Mean Gene claims that Yokozuna has consumed 11 ribeye steaks. And keep in mind, the shrimp went on the plate first. So yeah. we have not served shrimp. We have not served rice. We served the steak, which was the last thing to go on the, on the stove first. And we served all of it. Before we served any of the shrimp or any of you the know, rice. you know, poor Lou was in pain from having to like fuck up this entire like order of operations just for the sake of this dumb skit that he got roped mm -hmm. into. But okay, then he starts putting the shrimp on Yokozuna's plate. He just keeps piling it on top, on oh top, God, and then so he starts dumping, and then he now. finally starts cooking the rice, and then he starts dumping the fried rice also on Yokozuna's plate. And Yoko just puts down a whole damn plate. He even takes a bite of food off Mean Gene's plate. Um, but Yokozuna has gotten through this entire food. And yes. 
Mean Gene is like, well, what a what a fantastic meal. Can't have any more. How do you say in Japan when it's all over? Is the way he phrases it. Yes. And and uh, and uh, and uh, Fuji goes sayonara. Okay. Mean Gene's like, all right, sayonara. All right, goodbye. And 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 uh, and Fuji's like, no, Mean Gene, you can't leave yet. It's time for dessert. And and Mean Gene just like puts his head in his hands. And it's like, oh no. Oh my god. And that is where the skit ends. Um wait, wait. Sayonara literally is English or is Japanese. I yeah, I assumed... knew they got that right. Is wait, I, for some reason I always assumed it was like Spanish derivative. No. Um Sayonara is a casual way to say goodbye. You might it's Japanese war what the fuck? Okay, well to the more you know. How dare you accuse the WWF of not of not a, of being a pro, culturally insensitive and inaccurate? You know, I yes. How dare true. you? That was um, really that was really rude of me. I'm sorry. All right, yeah. So this skit was kind of like insane and kind. That of was funny. so fucking weird. I liked it, but also what the fuck? So weird. Like that was so bizarre. <clears throat> and then we cut. Yeah. yeah. That is especially just because like we got the entire fucking like start to finish meal where that was presented by Lord Alfred as as like what should have been like a Yokozuna cooking show, but it was it, this that whole it was weird. From the cooking, fucking, the cooking is for a single man. It was Yokozuna. So, yes. It was so, so long. It was so. It was it, that was such a. a it was a very segment. long bit. You could have done one, the joke in like it two is minutes. One, it is a long bit that has one joke. And now I'm hungry for Japanese. Well, okay, it food. has two jokes. It has Mean Gene doesn't know Japanese cult uh, culinary uh, mm -hmm. it, culture, and Yoko eats a lot of food. There are two jokes, and. It goes on very long for a thing with two jokes. Yup. Yeah, okay, so moving on. Time for a Bret Hart profile with yes. Gorilla Monsoon. Yes. And Bret Hart is just, and Gorilla Monsoon are just standing outside in front of a building somewhere. And Bret has got the WWF championship on, on, his, uh, on his shoulder. And Gorilla is hyping up like... This mask so horrifying, so dangerous. He he could never imagine the idea of signing up for a ladder match. I uh, know. And they try to fucking kayfabe that Brett had never done a ladder match before as if which, he had not done them in Calgary. No, like I looked this up to check this to make sure the exact information. It's not just that Calgary did ladder matches. It is to our to the best knowledge of wrestling historians. Calgary out Calgary wrestling invented the ladder match in Holy the 70s. Shit. So like Brett wrestled ladder matches in Calgary. He knew that, but they're kayfabe in it that Brett has never been in a ladder match before. Yeah, he's but he's like, like but Shawn Michaels has. Yeah, I wrote his quote here. You know, I have reason to believe Shawn Michaels has had ladder matches before, or else I don't know who came up with the match type. That must have that's so fucking insulting, dude. Holy shit. That must have been so infuriating for him to say. Oh my mm -hmm. god. 
Yeah, but Brett, he he says that he did this for the challenge of fighting in a dangerous match to be a fighting champion, rah, rah, rah. Uh, but we go to Matt's three, and I made a mistake earlier because I just kind of associate Sean with the Intercontinental title and around this period of time. Yeah. This is not from 93. This is from 92 when Sean was not the Intercontinental champion. Brett was. Yeah, um, I, I was, I was kind of confused about that as well. And this is so early in Shawn Michaels' time. Shawn Michaels comes out with Sherry Martell, and Sherry Martell is the one singing his theme song. I I, I know. Feel like, I feel like I've mentioned it before, but like you did. If you, you if did. you've heard, yeah, if you've heard Shawn Michaels' theme song, the version you've probably heard is Shawn himself singing about how he is a sexy boy. And if you think that feels kind of weird, is it's because the original version of the song was Sherry With Martell singing of Sensational Sherry singing about Sean. Yes. And so when they broke up, they just decided that Sean will keep the song, but we will redo it. So Sean is singing it about himself. They'll re-record that shit. It's so goofy. Mm-hmm. Oh my but God. Yeah. Sherry is here. She carries a big heart-shaped mirror to the ring for Sean to look at himself in. Yes. Dude, fucking, I have to say, Sean and Brett are, they're like, it's like the battle of the drift. Because Sean's got, like, some of the most, like, iconic, like, really quite attractive gear uh, that he brings to ring. And Brett just has the freshest drift. Holy shit. The black and the pink together. The black and the pink has never looked better than on Bret Hart. It looks so perfectly tailored. And like, dude, in the, in the clips, we see him holding the, the world title belt too, which has like a black strap on it. Oh my God. I don't think anybody looks better with that iteration of the WWF belt than Bret Hart does, man. Holy Mm -hmm. fuck. What drippy boys. Um, yeah, but we they they're they're here. Match begins. Man, it's so fucking wild. These two did not like each other off the bat. Their in-ring chemistry is off the charts. If only Sean was not such a toxic asshole. At least now they're like friends. They they have they have rec- they have reconciled to, at mm-hmm. this like point in their lives. But back yeah. then, man. Okay. So I noted that Sean very specifically avoids walking under the ladder. Uh, there's no way they could have done the bit right, but I think it would have been very funny if he had walked under the ladder and Sherry's mirror shattered. That would have been so fucking But there's no good. way they could have worked that. No uh, way. So I could see Vince being tempted, though. He he would think, like, could I figure... How can I figure out how to do that? How can I end this goofy bullshit? Yeah, so the Gorilla Monsoon with probably the dumbest comment I think I've ever heard on commentary in my life uh as the match is starting up he is like brett has effectively already lost his this belt because he has to hand it over to the ref to hang it in the rafters (sighs) no no gorilla every title match the champion has to hand the belt over to the ref I, I also took note of this quote, and I agreed at first that that was a fucking nonsensical point because that's how all title matches work. But there is one one angle they kind of do they they they're kind of talking about this from later in the match that actually kind of retroactively made me get down with that statement. In that, in this type of match, there cannot be a DQ win. There has to be a winner in a, in a in a standard like in a standard rules title match. 
Um, if there is a DQ, the 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 title holder retains the title. They are presumed champion until proven otherwise by a direct victory. Here, there has to be a direct victory of one over the other. So I can I I can get down with this in in the in the idea that like there has to be a winner. Um, and so Brett does not get to be assumed the default champion uh right, in this case. Um, I did, but at first I did note that same thing of like he has to hand over the belt. And like, because it's getting raised over the arena, he's effectively not champion anymore. Just that alone is dumb. But with that secondary context, I feel like that you actually do get something there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. for me, this match is it's kind of weird in this in that sense of like, you know, I I've heard so much about this match, and it is mm-hmm. a really good match. But I yes. also think my brain is too poisoned by the work rate and spot monkeyisms of now. Because I was like, God, do more things. Uh, but I still will say this is a really good match. And like, I get it. This is like a feeling out there, both in and out of kayfabe. This is two guys kind of feeling themselves out of like what mm-hmm. they can do in a ladder match. And that's a cool story. And also, yeah. I think the story is an expert in escalation as, as, as in, in pacing. Yes. Like in how they keep doing more things with the ladders and how what happens with the ladders gets more and more dangerous as the match goes on. Yeah, no, there, there's this kind of, there were, there were a couple things I noted uh, about because ladder matches have tropes associated with them. And they actually did run through a lot of, at least the baseline tropes in this match. You get like, the guy climbing up and the other dude grabs him down. You get the knocking over of the ladder while someone's on it. Later on, you get the the ladder being used as a weapon. Um, a lot of these tropes are being hit. Um, and even even the goofy like the the you know the guy one guy's fucking a little too long. The ladder he tries to grab the thing, but he can't quite grab it so he has to go up because it because it eats time and allows the other wrestler to come over and like knock him down or whatever the fuck yeah gotta Um, gotta pretend gotta pretend like i can't win right now and on top of that like it's it's wild to hear commentary talk about all of this because like so many so many of these tropes that we take for granted like you said like the you know we're so used to this do something yada yada commentary kind of like is a great reminder that this has never been seen before because they are like so thoroughly explaining all of these tropes and having their minds ostensibly blown by mm-hmm. all of these maneuvers that are being done with these ladders that, that we now take as like granted standard standard aspects of a ladder match. Yeah. And like, I almost wanted to look at this through the lens of like, would Elizabeth hate this match? I don't think uh, she would. No. Cause I, as like there, there's a certain, conservative way they use the ladders like there's yes. not like they're they are not like they don't do a ton of spots with the ladder mm-hmm. it's like two or three i think times they use the ladder in a way that as a weapon and not as a means to win yeah um and that's that's interesting that's interesting to look on in like a like this is what like the original ladder matches looked like and it's not Absolutely. it's not as awkward as some like first time 
gimmick matches are. Like we talked yeah, about a no. couple weeks ago, talking about like early triple threat matches, how those there's a certain like kind of awkwardness to them because they no, don't this really know what they're doing. Well. It, it flowed really well. It is just very different from what an, a, a more modern ladder match looks like. Absolutely. Um, so like we open the match with just like good old fashioned chain wrestling because here's the yeah. thing. In modern ladder matches, they have tons of ladders all over the place, almost like they're designed to be gimmick, to be spot to spot, you know, be spot yeah. festy, jump off ladders and shit. In this match, they mean it. It is a ladder match. Single, there is a one ladder. ladder. It's not a ladders match. It is a yeah. ladder. There is only one. Yeah, and they keep and they put the ladder all the way over in the entrance way. They have the one of the, the guys have to go back and go get. Yeah, like way the fuck out of their way, which is kind of funny. So the very beginning of the match is them kind of doing actual regular wrestling in an attempt to put somebody down long enough to just go get the ladder. Yeah. Uh, at one point, um, the, Brett gets Sean down, but then Sean makes a recovery, and then Sean gets Brett down and tries to like beat on beat up on him a little more and. Gorilla, like, noticing that Brett was down, he kind of goes, oh, I think that now would be a good time to go get the ladder. And then, like, as he says that, Sean just is continuing to beat up Brett, and he goes, like, maybe not. Gorilla with, like, the disappointed dad vibes here of, like, oh. you could be so much more practical right now, son. Yeah, please. please. Um, Then, but Sean is, does end up going and get the ladder, and he, like almost gets it to the ring and before brett comes back to whoop his ass yeah and then brett takes sean down in the ring and he gets the ladder and share and this was this was so neat of a spot idea for someone who has never done a ladder match before so sherry runs over and grabs the ladder tries to stop brett from pulling the ladder in the ring and brett's like the fuck are you doing and he like tries to stalk Sherry back up the entrance way to like go to the back to the locker room. Yes. And while Brett is doing that, Sean got up, he gets the ladder and tries to just go up and win the match right now. I know. Uh, except like for some reason, Sherry points out to Brett that Sean's about at Sean, the top Sherry of the somehow the- gives up the goat on this and Brett I have no idea why to stop him. Uh, but then Sean gets Brett in the corner and we get the first instance of a ladder being used as a weapon where he takes the ladder and he takes that front top part and just rams it into Brett's gun. Yes. Yes. The first use in the WWF of ladder as weapon. Really? Mm-hmm. That was, that was the, that was the wild one for me. I, that was what I wasn't sure about of, of like whether or not we were going to get ladder as weapon but yeah no mm-hmm. they like they he rams it into brett's abdomen and commentary is like oh my god what's he doing with this that that's a ladder that that's not supposed to be used for that you like mm-hmm. fuck so much like it's so wild just to hear how novel this is for everybody yeah involved. like th- now we get a, we get a linear and then we get a like a lengthy sequence of like Brett tries to climb and Sean pulls him off. Then Sean tries to climb. Brett pulls off. I, I feel like I'm doing almost a disservice the way I describe that. Cause it is very much just like trope V tro- trope to trope to trope of ladder matches. But it, but it is, it's really actually interesting to watch. And again, it is for this audience. This is a completely novel thing to be. Watching. I know. Yeah. Like this was 
this wasn't some rinky-dink little exhibition. Vince could have had this be a five-minute fucking whatever. This is a match. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're, we're seeing the proof in the pudding for the latter ma- for the latter match in real time essentially like they're building the blueprint and it's like it's not hard to understand how this one vince over because this these two fucking rocked this match mm. dude yeah um they fight they kind of fight with the ladder until they get until eventually it gets to the point where like Sean is trying to reposition the ladder and Brett gets under the ladder yeah and like they're like fighting for the control and they get it into the corner. Sean bounces Brett's head into the ladder. And Ooh. then, but then Brett starts hitting his signature spots as, as we've come, as you come to see it watching three back to back Brett Hart matches here. Mm. As like Brett gets in the corner, Sean runs at him. Brett jumps up and kicks him. Then he goes to the middle rope and hits a clothesline. And then Brett slingshots Sean face first into the ladder. Crazy. Fucking uh, fucking wild. There's this um I think after that, like Sean kind of goes down for a second. Um, and Lord Alfred once again, like the 90s equivalent of like Boomer trying to say hip shit, calls Sean a toy boy. But good try. Good As try. Opposed to a boy toy. Good, good, good job, Al. Good Alfred. try, Al. You did um, your best, man. At one point. We get to uh, uh, we get to Sean is is climbing up the ladder while Brett is also climbing up the ladder, so both men are finally climbing up the ladder at the same time. They only do yes. this once in this match. They only Wild. do that particular idea. There's and so many more times you could utilize it. Just watch. They it. Just, just they just punch just each other. Murder. They punch each other until both of them fall over and the ladder falls on top of them. I know, dude. Ladders falling over in these matches are so. Even in, the, even in the first ladder match you got guys being crushed by ladders oh ow yeah um but but fucking all all this all this kind of goes down brett's eventually able to get the ladder back to center um oh but, 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 but oh, first sorry. for that because i want to bring this up because this is the thing i want to I, I love bringing up about these early Shawn michaels stuff here mm-hmm. is like Sherry Brett is hitting the ropes to do a move, and Sherry grabs Brett's foot, and then Shawn Michaels hits the his patented uh heel kick. Ah, yes, his patented reverse thrust kick, aka Uh, the sweet chin music, but not quite yet. As he just chin music, this he just hits it, but then he hits his real big scary maneuver, the teardrop suplex. That yeah. is the thing that puts people out of commission. That's the that's the crazy one. Every well, I guess he's he's a heel, so he's not getting really popped yeah. for right now. But so, like, yeah. So after that, Sean starts climbing the ladder. He has to pretend he can't hit the right. He can't. He has to pretend he can't grab the belt right now. As <laughs> Brett drop gets up, drop kicks Sean off the ladder. The ladder kind of topples over. Sean crotches the ropes. And then he takes a fall to the floor. Bro. And then at that point, Brett just climbs up the ladder and wins. Yeah, and pretty much. It. Brett for the dub. Man, they fucking delivered on this one. I they did. Say. Really good match here. Mm. We cut back to Gorilla and Brett. Gorilla is like, Brett, you're going to go down in history as the champion with the most defenses in history. You defended the belt only two days after winning it. And 
against Kamala. Against Kamala, of all people. Yep, okay. So, so Gorilla is like, Brett, what is your game plan for facing a guy that's bigger than you? And Brett proceeds to not answer that question as he yeah. just talks about how he doesn't want to, you know, hide behind the belt. He wants to entertain the fans. He wants to keep challenging himself. He has to prove that he is the excellence of execution. Cut yeah, on. it was apparently a term that Gorilla coined for him. That checks out. He probably did say that. I believe they, they talk. They talk about that a few times in this video. I think honestly, if you watch pre, like before, Bret Hart was a singles guy. He used that's a a a a name, the excellence of execution that Gorilla Monsoon uses semi frequently. Hmm. Like that's kind of just a, almost a tropey term for him to use to describe other wrestlers. As like that was look at the ex they are the excellence of execution for how they were just did a move, and Damn. then it just became Brett's uh, one of Brett's catchphrases when Brett was coming on the come up. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, no, he like he he like lampshades a couple times that that gorilla made this term for him, and like it's funny too because I think Brett kind of like fucking stumbles over this phrase Brett, Brett is, yeah brett is not comfortable quite as a talker yeah i did notice that i was like my man's really like soft spoken here and mm-hmm. not like very low-key energy not not quite the giant charismatic champ that you would mm-hmm. expect um but yeah um either way cool motherfucker and uh, I, I, it cracks me up that we're watching his title defense before we're actually watching him win the title. Seems they decided the best for last on this. Um, but, but it's not even last. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah, unfortunately. So it is Kamala before and before the match, we get to listen to his manager, Dr. Harvey Whippleman. Yeah. Um, who's the scrawny motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and he is a doctor because he started carrying around a medical bag to ringside and calling himself a doctor. Uh, that is how that works. That, the, that's all I, you need. You know, he follows the wear a lab coat and scrubs methodology of, of being a doctor. So he's not even wearing either of those things. My man's in like a fucking suit. Yeah, but he does he does carry a medical bag. So, you know. Ah, uh, yes. He's got one out of three. Yeah, bad. so we he, is, he introduces the Ugandan giant... Kamala with the Kamala. great kimchi. Yes, uh, the twin brawler is here. Yeah, and so Brett Brett comes out. Da, 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 da. Okay, and we get to the match, and whole lot of standing around to start. Oh my god! Don't fucking remind me. Brett um, Brett Hart spent a lot of the '90s slowing himself down for much shittier wrestlers, and this match with Kamala is absolutely no exception to that. Yeah, Kamala's not quite on the same level. Uh, they eventually kind of get going with Brett working the arm. You know, it is. It is. It is. It is. I, you know what? The, I'll bring this up in a second. Um, you know, no, I'll bring it up right now. You know, Please. I had a revelation in this match thinking about Kamala, and I just kind of thought to myself, like. Why can I, I obviously I'm not going to consider myself a fan of Kamala either way, but like, why do I struggle to like buy into the monster idea of his character? 
more so yeah. than I would other giant characters of similar ilk. Like, I also think Yokozuna is corny and silly, but I Very. buy into him as like a monster heel, right? Yeah. But His why do I help with that? Why can I not do that with Kamala? And I think part, and I think part of why that is, is he is just so goofy. Yeah. Like, he is too goofy for me to sincerely buy him as a threatening character well yeah because like, he's a fucking he's effectively just he almost reads like a fucking minstrel character except with an actual black man playing him but it could i feel like even for a minstrel character you could book him in a way that i could buy the the mel the mount the menace yeah but like I'll just point out is that like there is a move that like he does a thing later in the match where Brett counters him by stomping on his bare feet. Yeah. He like when he does that, he goes, Yeah, he's played like a fucking buffoon. He 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 read he moves like an like a buffoon. Yeah. And that's why I can't buy it. So like even if I accept like on a meta level, I think he's stupid. I can't even like buy into the story that he's a strong, he's a monster that Brett should fear. Yeah. So not not a not not the highest quality match Brett could could find himself in. Fucking uh so some highlights is Brett's working the arm, but then Kamala uses that same arm that Brett was working to try to offer a test of strength. And every and the commentary is like, whoa! Why everyone is he doing in that? Their, everyone and, and their mother like, is like, this is a trap. And yes. then Brett initially uh, says, I, no. so so it was it was Alfred Hayes and someone else on commentary for this. Sean one. Mooney, I, I think. Sean Mooney. Sean Mooney fucking right. goes. This could be subterfuge or at least chicanery. They <laughs> just goofy fucking I don't think thing to I don't think I, think I I don't think in this context those are the, are the, those are different things. I do love how often uh wrestling commentary likes the word or likes to use the word chicanery. It's a good word. Chicanery. You use it too. I've 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 very much had it uh pushed a lot more into my lexicon doing this podcast. Uh uh commentary speculates what's possibly behind Kim Shi's mask. Uh one of the possibilities oh. being maybe it's a divorced man who owes child support. <laughs> yeah, the specific phrase was maybe he's wanted by the law or an irate wife is the way Sean Mooney puts that. And honestly, as, I thought as, he was as, talking about Kamala's face. No, nope, I didn't know. Okay, he's talking about kimchi. I'm pretty sure it was kimchi. It was like, what's behind the mask? And they just keep speculating again. Commentary does not give a shit. Although they do give somewhat of a shit because it's not, the absolute shit lords of Lord Alfred Hayes and uh and Gorilla Monsoon paired together. At least Sean Mooney keeps things a little bit on track. Um but, but yeah, they're speculating over who's under Kim, which is very funny knowing that it's just a fucking Brooklyn brawler. Um it's most nobody, likely it's nobody that interesting. Uh it's nobody that yeah, it's yeah, all these all these big interesting guests you guys are giving is if it's not just this motherfucker who likes baseball. Um Hey, yeah, that's, so that's knuckleball Schwartz, totally a different I, character. Totally different character. Uh Kamala tries to like pull some bullshit and Brett stomps his foot. Um and, and yeah, don't come to the ring barefoot, wear your shoes. Fucking uh, you know what? I will say I'm glad to know that like Marina Shafir in the modern day isn't the only person who gets weird commentary fixation on lack of shoes in ring. I will forever have Matt Menard stuck in my head going, I, I just like a covered toe. 
I don't like it. Matt Menard would not be a Kamala guy. Matt Menard would very much not be a Kamala guy. It's like it's like where he'd be like, where the shoes? What, what you got you gotta wear the shoes in, in ring. I, I could never I could never go go to go to the ring without shoes. I think and then and then he'd see uh uh fucking Kamala's feet get stomped on by Brett and he'd be like, see, this is it. You you got you gotta have the those feet protected. I like a covered toe. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so I mentioned earlier that the skull crusher was not the stupidest move that I was mad about. The idea of oh. like, why do you not just get out of this? This match had that because at one point Kamala gets Bret Hart in an armpit nerve hold where <laughs> he just like claws at Bret's armpit. That is all he does. And Damn. Brett just like stands there and is like, ah, the ah. pain. Oh, Dude. no. My armpit. It he vaguely is, tickles. He is doing nothing but clawing your armpit. And you're just going to let him do that. <laughs> God damn. Okay. That, that, okay. It's not even a vital organ like, no, like the no. head situation. Um. It's it's pretty rough going out there. I I got some humor in like Kamala apparently likes to like try to like chop downward like jot jot like just downwards at 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 people when they're on the ground. And I thought that was like a funny visual. But yeah. Um. Oh, fucking. I think I think as a response to that, like this kind of somewhat varied move set that Kamala has. Alfred Hayes, like Alfred Hayes actually says that Kamala is more than just like a primitive buffoon from the jungle. He's actually like clever and smart and got a varied moveset. And I think for that alone, like Alfred Hayes may have gotten his fucking British card revoked for like not for, for saying anything for saying anything remotely nice about one of the colonized races. You a British man saying something so nice about a Ugandan? I know. I think I, I think he might have just gotten his like British citizenship revoked for that one. Yeah, um that that is very not imperialistic of you. I know. Mr. What the fuck, Alfred? Alfred, um the most also, progressive old British man of the of Also, the, 90s, the you know. idea that, that Kamala is actually smart just reminds me that we are but months away in, in, in this point in time from him becoming a character where the bit is he doesn't know how to pin a guy because he he covers oh, them. Oh, yeah. He covers them on their belly and not their back. So and he has stupid. to be reminded that you gotta move him over. Yeah, I wonder, Austin, why you struggle so much to take him seriously as a monster. As a monster, hey, to, to be fair, by that point, he is a goofy babyface character, so at least him being an idiot is more socially acceptable. What even fucking turns him face? Does he like beat up on Whippledon or something? Yes, uh, my <laughs> basically, basically, Reverend Slick shows up and is like and is like you are not a savage you are a man and he's like trying to get him to like f rise up from his oppressors <laughs> in Kimpy and harvey whippleman oh my god he and he like gets the whole arena to start being like you are a man and then kamala breaks free and turns babyface 
What the fuck? Man, it feels kind of awful, though, that he breaks away from his oppressors and then without, like, handlers to keep an eye on him. He's, he, a, he's, he's a complete idiot. He's a competent buffoon. Implicitly saying that the handlers were right all along to, like, keep a leash on him. Oh, no. Absolutely wild. That's basically beginning of 93 is when that Christ. whole thing went down. Yeah, um, fucking, um... Uh, Brett hits all of his big moves on Kamala. Yeah, he hits the Russian it, leg sweep. He does the middle rope clothesline. He monkey flips Kamala. That was pretty sick. That is sick, yeah. Second rope elbow drop. So, whatever. Bret Hart goes for the sharpshooter. Kimchi and Harvey try to jump up and interfere. Kamala accidentally hits Kimchi off the apron. Brett rolls up Kamala for the win. I would like yeah, to point out. Yeah, roll up dub. Yeah. And then after the match, Kamala starts trying to beat down Brett, but he goes for oh, the joined by Joined by Kimchi and Whippleman, I might add. They get in the ring and help. But then he goes for his splash. Brett moves out of the way and instead accidentally he splashes Harvey and then Brett just tosses all three of them out of the ring and walk. Yeah. Walk down, I win. Fucking yeah. Brett Hart gets three on one teamed up against both toward the end of the match to try to like cheat to give the dub to Kamala. And when that fails, they try to do a three on one beat down and they fail on both accounts because they're all fucking incompetent. And Brett is the best is great and i love him that is why he is the excellence of execution absolutely absolutely but it is very funny uh yeah. so back to brett and uh and, and gorilla gorilla again. says the fax line has been hot yeah the mailbox uh, has been full they've been blowing up the phones when will getting, we see the match they've been getting brett faxes Hart. about this you know how you that's how you know it's legit i i I even I don't know if I can like imagine taking the time to fax the WWE corporate office just to be <laughs> like I want Bret Hart versus Ric Flair. Exactly. That's how you know it's serious. Like I I can't imagine like faxing a wrestling company about your booking choices. <laughs> they wanted they they had to know austin they had to see the match like at least like twitter is like super easy to use and takes like yeah. two minutes i got a fax machine man you gotta like you gotta type in the whole number you gotta like know the fax number you gotta type the whole number you gotta feed the paper in there and like you can't even do it for clout no one else is going to see this fax except the, the schmuck at the WWE. That's fax how you know it's legit. It. You had to go to all that fucking trouble to fax that shit. That that speaks volumes to me. And it, again, honestly, if that's legit, if they really fucking were getting faxed about this, that's how you know, like, oh my God, they really did not give a shit about TV. That people were just foaming at the mouth to see this very stupidly not televised They're like we don't got we don't got why put it on tv when when the why put why our, put on one TV? of our biggest faces beating one of our biggest heels to win the belt for the first time why, who wants to see that shit why put it on free tv when these schmucks are so hungry for this match they will buy this vhs tape to watch it 
yeah, fucking, fucking, dude, who, who needs, that, that doesn't give us money directly, so who, we, it's fucking useless to us, obviously, and I mean, it worked, they did sell it on a VHS for money instead, and probably made a decent amount of money off all the people that frantically faxed them trying to see this goddamn map. Yeah, I imagine so you if you what? I imagine if you consider the fact that it's taking place in 1993, so we're post peak of the golden age. I imagine this was a very successful Coliseum video release, just because they're I like, guys, imagine. this is the one with Brett and and Ric Flair. Yeah, all the re- most of the other matches on it are Garbo. Uh, even even fucking Bret Hart couldn't save one of them, but but man, we got the match. So yeah, give us uh, money. So before Gorilla is asking Brett, like, well, uh, what do you do? How do you, well, you like Rick's reputation precedes him essentially? So he's like, how do you prepare for that? And Brett is like, is it just because I only have one shot, man? He was not throwing away his shot. Uh, uh, he is, uh-huh. he's in Sat, like, they're in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is the hometown of Stu Hart, of Brett Stu, Hart's of father. father, which is very correct, actually. I checked that. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I wish old man Stu had been in the crowd for this Yo. match. Um, though, honestly, I don't, I don't think I would have wanted Stu Hart in this match, like anywhere near this match. If Bobby Heenan or Jerry Lawler wasn't on commentary to shit talk him. What, wait, what? Why? Because it's hilarious watching them make jokes about this, about old man Stu Hart. That's why. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. Um, Fucking, uh, yeah, and Brett also reveals that he apparently wrestled this match with a sprained ankle and a dislocated finger, both of which he sustained, like, a couple minutes into the match, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, he he looks fine to me. Uh, yeah. No oh, reason yeah, to I, lie I made about a note or anything, about that. but he, you know, does not wrestle like he's particularly injured, but that's, that's what it means. That's, but nothing can stop the excellence of execution for being excellent absolutely that's how that's how it goes um uh fucking on commentary gorilla monsoon reveals that he has very intimate knowledge of how many fucking kids Stu hart had i mean he did have a lot of children Um, yes Uh, he had enough kids for for uh he had enough kids for wwf to fill an entire survivor series team of brett and his brothers that's so wild yeah uh gorilla claims 13 wikipedia claims 12 i'm not sure which is the more correct number um and gorilla knows precisely at least presumably precisely how many sons and daughters there are which is just why do you know why you gotta know know how many future wrestlers are in the family were he and Stu like buddies probably okay that probably explains it also like kurt hennig is hanging out with Flair all right days? i i looked this up so i had some i had good information to describe what's happening here so kurt hennig is retired um in 93 okay well that doesn't stick that yeah well yeah i know so, i'm aware but basically his back was super de duper fucked and oh, oh it's a daniel bryan retirement okay <clears throat> And he famously, as was a thing in the 90s, 
is he took out a Lloyd's of London policy. Uh, Lloyd's of London is an insurance and reinsurance market in the UK. Famously, they will insure basically anything. Uh, you know, they are not a traditional insurance company, and therefore they will just insure weird shit sometimes for headlines. In this case, they were willing to insure the bodies of wrestlers, and in fact, if they suffered a career-ending injury, they could, in fact, take a payout, regular payouts, from the Lloyds of London. What the fuck? Provided that they stopped wrestling. Ah. Um, so, of course, they stopped insuring Lloyds of London wrestlers. Probably because not only is insuring wrestlers a good way to not make money. It's a uh, good way to lose a shit ton of Also, money. wrestlers love skirting the rules on not wrestling. They are like yeah? you like they're like we will pay only pay you out if you like stop stop and then wrestlers are like mm, but you know they still hang around and take bumps and eventually get back in the ring because wrestlers <laughs> are wrestling is full of people who are not necessarily the most common sense smart guys and are addicted to the adrenaline and, are, are, and and who are huge masochists who who get off on on getting hurt and taking bumps yes yeah so uh, i don't know how good the the payoffs were i tried to look into this pro obvious i obviously i would expect not as good as if he was still wrestling but he also still has a job with the wwf as mm -hmm. on top of the lloyds of london policy uh, this is me saying I'm not sure I understand why Kurt Hennig would like, like he had to retire because he had multiple discs in his, uh, in his back be completely fucked. That's and he man. would still be like, I gotta keep wrestling, man. Absolutely. And it's like, I don't know. So, now some wrestlers did stick to the, took the payout and stuck to it. Uh, most famously Rick Rude was like that, oh. but also Ted DiBiase was also one of the, I got I got paid by Lloyd's of London. I am never taking a bump again. <laughs> he 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 got a taste for that for that Lloyd's of London payout, and he he knew it was no fucking laughing matter. Yep. So yeah, that's why Kern Hennig is here. He is the executive consultant for Ric Flair. Sure, I guess. Uh, Ric Flair in his short time in the WWF, I. I feel I want to save that story for when we ever do Royal Rumble 92. Uh because it's a fascinating tale of how Ric Flair happened to be in the WWF for like a year. Yeah, I this is one thing that that like fucks with me is like the timeline of which company Ric Flair was in and when. Yeah, he left he left in late 1991. Yes. And then he came into the WWF. He stayed there for all of 92. And then in the January 93, he lost a, a loser leaves WWE match to Kurt fucking Hennig. Oh, Hey, look at that. <laughs> look at that. He lost the match and went straight on back to NWA WCW. Like he left them. He came, he did WWE for a year. He yeah. Came back. Okay. So that's what it was. And by that point, 
NWA WCW was shaping up into the WCW. Which I think if Rick if Ric Flair would tell you now, he'd probably say he wish he had just stayed in the WWF. Really? Eric Bischoff absolutely hates Ric Flair and tried to bury the fuck out of him whenever he could get away with it. Really? Because Ric Flair was like uh, otherwise treated like God. By oh, the he was. He was. And in his, I, I don't know what it is, quite frankly. I think I've never quite understood it. It feels like it was just like Bischoff being like, get this Southern fucking hick draw out of here. Yeah, okay, like, well, see, that's the thing is, like, look, not liking Ric Flair is 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 based in Red Pilled, okay? Fuck that guy. However... But he, I, Eric Bischoff didn't care for him as, like, a wrestling draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's, it's not principled from Eric Bischoff, because on the other side of the coin, Eric Bischoff is a spiteful asshole who, yeah, like, who hates it's, shit it's, for very personal reasons that he tries to pass off as like intellectual um, yeah and and like they hated each other they hated each other rick flair hated his time in wcw after he went back they buried the fuck out of him when they could in favor of hogan and then the that's nwo so that's so fucking wild. and yet but like the horsemen the horsemen were so big they were but they can they can take their jabroni asses uh, sit right back down because it's the new world order, brother. Were the horsemen a thing pre like like in earlier NWA? Very much so. They were huge. They were huge. In the okay, 80s. okay. I assume, but I was. They were sure. huge in the eighties in Jim Crockett promotions. Yeah, so he fucking so Ric Flair comes over and becomes WWF champ because of course he does because he's one of the the most popular wrestlers of all time. Vince um, absolutely loves sticking it to other companies top guys when they show up here that's right i'm not sticking it to them he likes sticking it to the other companies to the other by companies being like we look at we have your guy and he's our champ suck yeah, a I dick <laughs> suck a dick dumb shit yeah. god all right anyway yeah anyway. so um, this, hey, honestly, this match is fucking fantastic. Oh my is- fucking god, dude. This match ruled. Holy fuck. Okay, this made everything worth it. Like, the latter match was also pretty sick, but holy shit. Like, I, I would not, I don't think I'd make this like a five star match because, like, the one thing about this match is, like, Bret Hart is just kind of in control for a weirdly, like, disproportionate amount it kinda, of time it kind of happens rick, with rick flair because rick flair is so good at being on the defensive that like he ends up wrestling from that's the, the thing because well, i remember lot. like i remember doing i remember when we were doing the the nwo storyline i remember matches of rick flair like being more on the offensive i thought like i remember him being more offensively dangerous um but here he was very much on the defensive so like for me personally, I would have liked more of a back and forth in order to call it like a real five star banger. Mm-hmm. But like, fuck, that was still at least like that was still like solidly like four stars. Um, the work rate was the work was fucking off the charts. Holy shit. Um, uh, Lord Lord Alfred. Um, off the bat is like he, he you know in kind of putting both of them over. He says something that I kind of had to laugh at of. Uh, the only difference between these two is not between skill, size, weight, or ability. Um, 
no, uh, which that that phrase I I had to kind of laugh at. Uh, not only it's not the, the difference between them. It's not between skill or ability or weight or size. Nor is it between adeptness or girth or BMI or prowess. <laughs> Just the way he's restating shit. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and there. Is- oh my god great match uh i i made a joke about this early on as is but is bret hart hit the back body drop and i'm like patented rick flair landing on his side for a back body <laughs> drop because i didn't catch that but yeah oh you know more you, about when you see it you notice it and the reason for this is is because like for realsies in the late 70s rick flair was in a massive plane crash and almost died and in fact on that plane crash, other wrestlers he was on the plane crash with did die. And, but he had a massive sustained back injury. And this is pre he becoming the nature boy. He was just like a dude. He, he was, was a lot, a dude. he was a lot bigger, by the way. Like he, he kind of like, he's a lot chunkier guy than you think of Ric Flair being. Uh, yeah. But he gets in this plane crash. It fucks up his back. And he has to completely f- change his entire way of doing wrestling. And he becomes the nature boy, Ric Flair. But from then on, he would he will ne- he never takes a straightforward back bump. He always lands oh on his God. side or tries to angle himself in some way that he does not land perfectly on his back. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's cool he was able to like do that. Um yeah. fucking uh yeah hitman's in control for a lot of this um gorilla monsoon makes a comment about like he has yet to break a sweat 10 minutes in which reminded me or shit it was not 10 minutes into the match oh see that well he said eight to ten so like you know he was giving it a bit of leeway i stopped Um, i was stopped watching i was like shut the fuck up gorilla either way by this point based on brett's account of it he had already fucking at least sprained his ankle, if not dislocated the finger. Motherfucker isn't even limping. What a stone cold badass. Like, if he legitimately did sprint, like, he did not limp during this But Holy fuck, Bret Hart is so cool. Holy yeah. fuck, he's the so cool. The coolest God, dude. I love him. I fucking love Bret Hart, dude. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I love him so much. Okay, so early in the match, um, Brick Flair, uh, goes Rick heads to the Flair. outside rick flair heads to the outside to consult with mr perfect and suddenly gorilla and hay start like just like talking up their sick camera crew with these cool angles they even name off camera guy number five. Oh my god it's they keep fucking going it's always a, like they keep going off on these tangents even during this banger rematch they still find ways to fuck yeah. around and not give a shit yeah and so after that, though, we get a wrist. Like I wrote, wrist lock fight. Let's fucking go. But then <laughs> Brett gra- gets Ric Flair's arm and like starts bending it in like a hammer lock esque kind of thing. And Ric Flair is screaming like a goddamn maniac. Yes. Uh, and Brett like ho- has a hold of Rick's arm for like three minutes straight. I know. Just Fucking, wrenching the arm. He's 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 running rough shot of poor Flair here. Um, mm. at one point I'm pretty sure like he kind of gets Flair down and he goes to the outside for like Hart goes to the outside for some reason. Um, or something. He he kind of like he gets Flair down. He walks away for a second. Then he goes back to Flair. Um, mm. and Flair like 
kind of fucking um oh wait no 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 he backs flair into a corner is what happens he backs flair into a corner and flair's doing the oh no oh no don't you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses would you? Uh, but then and then brit uh brit uh brett goes for goes for like a uh brett goes for some kind of move and flair like fucking kicks him um and actually like gets a little bit of control yeah. back um, I will. I will. Say I will. Just an observation. I feel like Flair is one of those like kings of getting a reversal off of playing possum. Like he's so good at doing the like. Oh, oh no! Was, no. And then as soon as he gets an opening, like bam! I was about to say that is like there's something fascinating about watching Ric Flair. The way he plays cowardly shit is because his ability to turn it on a dime mm-hmm. is honestly I've never seen anyone faster at just like quickly being a changing it and being a little shit bag um, I know. like he is begging in the corner and then like you blink and rick flair is the one who has brett in the corner i'm like Absolutely. now hold on a minute uh and another moment in the match i like adored is is brett rick is on the ropes and brett walks over to him and rick does just like the quickest thumb to the eye you've ever seen like it's almost like an instinctual oh, yeah. reflex to be a cheating bastard for Rick Blair. He's like, boop. He didn't have to think about it. He just bop, does it. It was it was funny too, because like I missed that. I missed that until like they really until commentary like lampshade. I was like, wait, that happened? What the fuck? And there's a certain but it kind was of, extremely like blinking. You missed it. There's a certain yeah. kind of internal brilliance to that, is because like the lace, the he is so subtle, the ref can't catch him in the act. Oh really? Oh yeah, well, yeah. I guess so. Out. Fuck that. I didn't even think of that angle mm-hmm. of it. Holy shit! You're right. Like I, I like Ric Flair as this guy who is who is a supremely smart and talented in ring wrestler, mm-hmm. but just loves taking shortcuts because he. I'm a dick. Pretty. Oh, also, fuck. I'm looking up. Yeah, I'm seeing like pictures of early Ric Flair. Shit, he really did like slim down a lot. God damn. Mm-hmm um he was a he was a he was a thick boy and also like earliest days like fucking crew cut would he looks like a completely different guy holy mm-hmm. shit anyway weird um what wild stuff man um what a what a what a man um yeah uh flair i i i also adored brett sent flair to the outside for thing and flair does a yeah oh my God. Oh my and God. then and then Brett gets him back in the ring, one punch, and then he flops in the ring again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I noted the exact same shit. It's fucking yeah, because Flair rolls to the outside of his own volition, stands up, and then fucking flops. Okay. He's such a cartoon. But before that, okay. Oh, so in between, I, I think like, I know what you're about to. Mention. Yeah, yeah. So in between Flair, as you brilliantly pointed out like doing this great like he gets like the 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 quick turnaround on playing possum hits the reversal gets like the super quick eye poke that the breath cannot even catch um in the middle of that all brett like fuck i'm trying to remember like what position they were in um brett like like he's oh yeah uh Brett's like holding on to like they're doing the thing where Brett's down on the ground, but he's got his leg. He's like trying to bring Flair down, and Flair's Flair's like, Whoa, Flair travels with it. So Brett fucking grabs Flair's trunks and pulls it down. down. We We got full, we got full 
Ric Flair ass oh, on the hard cam. Why am I looking at his ass? Oh, God. Oh, no. Another, WWF after dark. Another Ric Another Ric Flair classic. Him showing his ass. <laughs> why? Why was I looking at his ass, Austin? I did not consent to this. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, oh, my. Oh, no. So, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? And even the commentary is like, well, I guess we got to be X-rated now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, commentary is like, welcome to WWE X. Yeah, I was, they don't know what to do with this. Oh, my um, God. So, Brett is just kind of working down Ric Flair's arm, but Rick is working down that knee because he's got to set up for the figure four. Yeah, except fucking Brett gets Brett. one first. Brett hits the figure four on Flair for the disrespect. Also, like, I love how the figure four can work both as a submission and a pin. Like, you get yeah, if, yeah, because the guy, if like the guy taking the move, like lays down on his back, man, and the ref starts going one, two. What the fuck are wrestling rules? Why the fuck does that? Why is now, that counted as? How a does pin? that constitute a pin? Yeah, because like by that logic. You could just knock a dude down and have him just laying down on his back and the ref should start counting before you like actually go for the pin. Well, some like, part, I, feel, well, I guess some part of Brett is theoretically on top of, 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 uh, Rick. okay, sure. Fucking wrestling rules, dude. Um, yeah, but ring, but Rick, but Rick gets to the ropes to escape the figure four. Yes, Rick gets back on top, it. but then Brett, but then Brett counters to a backslide pin. Cool again, cool shit happening here. Yes, Flair, but then Flair, like in the later rounds, he's limping now. He's limping yes. from that knee, and Brett. Well, gets... he does this thing where after he gets out of the figure four, Brett's still like kind of laying down, so he fucking like pulls his knee pad down and like fucking drops his knee onto Brett's head, um, which Gorilla Monsoon calls. Uh, I. I think that was the Excedrin headache number 35, Alfred, which Lord mm -hmm. Hayes thought was the funniest thing he's ever heard. That was so uh, funny. Except he also, like, yeah, it fucks up his knee further. Like, he kind of hits Brett, uh, although it doesn't look terribly convincing. They don't do a great shot. Uh, they, they don't yeah. do a good, great job at hiding that Brett very much rolls out of the way of this, so his head doesn't actually get smashed by Ric Flair's knee. But, like, Ric Flair's knee gets fucked by this, too, so he's limping even more. Because, so ah, he, ah, ah, well, they're like, and commentary is like, yeah, you kind of like fuck yourself there, buddy. Like yeah. he's, he's in the weirdest, you. in the weirdest red herring of the match. While both men are down from on the ground, Mister Perfect like walks over and like mimes taking something out of his pocket as if he's about to like hand something off to Flair, but he doesn't succeed at it, and it never comes up again. <laughs> um, yeah, Kurt Henning's attempt at. Uh, at uh, interference in this match are random and nonsensical because I make a note of that at the end too. Yeah, so Brett Flair, uh, Brett gets thrown to a corner and then shot woo into a pin. It's the two count. Flair gets pissy about the two count. The ref, and while he's whining to the ref, Brett rolls him up for two. Awesome, cool sequence. But then Ric Flair, he gets in the figure four. Yeah. Oh, also, no. I want to I want to shout out the fact that like during that sequence, um, Gorilla Monsoon is is makes a comment about he's how he's very happy he retired before the meta 
got too evolved. Essentially, yeah. he's like, I'm glad I, I retired before I had to deal with all these fucking moves. Yeah, Br- Gorilla's happy to be gone from the bi- from the biz here. Uh, yeah. Brett rolls over the figure four, which is so fascinating also because like if you do that, that and this is legit too, if you actually do a figure four on somebody, if you roll over, the pressure goes to the person who put on the move. Like yep. the pressure reverses yeah. for who is getting hurt. But Brett also rolled all the way into the ropes, so the whole thing kind of has to be let go. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I, like while I'm while kidding. he has, so sorry, while he has Brett locked in, Gorilla's doing another one of his like explanations of the exact anatomical part of you that oh, is being I injured. Missed by- the anatomical reference? It was yeah, it was something. It was the discus lamiscus babiscus. I don't fucking know. He lists off a bunch of technical terms, and Lord Alfred's just like something that's uh, probably legit, but also yeah. really dorky. Yeah, and Lord Alfred's just like, uh, yes, <laughs> sure. He's, I he's don't know enough. Like, yeah, I don't know enough to dispute this. He, yeah, he's just kind of like, uh, well, yeah. He's like, oh, y- yes, of, of course, obviously, gorilla, you're gorilla out here. I swear to God, this man had a degree in human anatomy. What the fuck? Um, yeah. but but then, holy shit, Flair tries to go for the sharpshooter for the disrespect. Um, I I, I kind of missed this because I was looking up Lloyd's of London stuff. I missed no, yeah. Match, Flair so. tries to go for the sharpshooter for, di- but Brett like counters it to go for a roll up. That's like one two break. Yep, whatever. So they are fight, you know, back and forth, strike after strike, hold for hold. Really awesome, crazy shit happening. Uh, Brett hits Dude, a lot of. Dude, what the fuck are the punching rules in wrestling? Because I swear to God. I swear to fucking God, these men are are, just punching each other. The rules are no closed fists, which is a very, which is a very loose definition of like, what is an open fist? But you have fucking Orange Cassidy in the year of our Lord 2023, who the orange punch is a closed fist. Fuck Mm, you. Doesn't have. Fuck Mm. off. Fuck all the way out of here. These men are just punching each other in the face. They're not even doing elbows. They are just punching each other. Yeah, so Brett hits a lot of his big moves. Does but and, and Gorilla and Hayes are like, why is he not going for the sharpshooter? I know. Fucking fucking Gorilla Gorilla Monsoon is out here like he doesn't understand why this new generation of wrestlers has to do all this fucking spot monkeying bullshit. And so- I know. Also, also, wait. There's a sequence like Flair's on the top rope, and Brett like goes to like grab him to throw him off, and we get a shot. Brett oh, did just I grabs miss that? That one, my bad. Yeah, F- Brett just grabs Flair's entire asshole, and we get a shot of him just digging his hand right into that's i mean that's that is that is one of rick flair's signature maneuvers is go to the top rope get thrown off and have someone grasp his ass you know maybe he just really liked have i ever have i ever explained why that he does that because that's kind of a big meme in itself no rick flair that always goes to the top rope and never wins with it except one time he did the very first time he won the world title from Harley Race, he did it with a top rope move. So in the canon of it all, every time Ric Flair goes to the top rope and fails, he is just trying to recreate the moment that won him the world title. Which which world title was this? Uh, NWA the original, or? the original NWA title. The first Fuck. time he won the NWA title. 
That's hilarious. So this literally, ma my man is just doing a fucking nostalgia trip. He did. He got a complete fluke win off the top rope, and he just decided I have again. to try that ever every, every time and every never match. succeed at it ever again. That's 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 gotta break a man's spirit after a time, man. Um, Brett after throwing him, Bret Hart hits Ric Flair with the, with the people's elbow. He um, drops an elbow on him. All right, the middle. See, to, I mean, to me, it read. To me, I was like, "This looks like a less goofy version of the people's elbow." He like he drops in the same way, and then a reverse neck breaker, and then a fucking backbreaker over the knee. Um, drop drops the elbow again from like the middle rope, and this is when Gorilla Monsoon grumbles about these fucking young men, these young guys, and their goddamn spot monkeying. Um, yeah, and then the sharpshooter. Well, before we get to that, there's a thing I want to kind of bring up is that oh, like, so, so Flair, Flair goes begging, please, please don't hit me. And then he reverses it on Brett and then starts chopping him and Brett no sells him. He pulls the straps down and just starts no selling yes! the chop. That was so metal, dude. He's like, you want to fucking chop? Do it. Do it bitch oh yeah. my god that was so cool i personally kind of read into this match there's this kind of all an, un, an almost an undercurrent to this match of like bret hart isn't playing into rick flair's bullshit yeah well it's because they talk about like they talk in the beginning about how like the big difference between them is how just ostentatious flair is yeah and and bret is all business Mm -hmm. And he is all business in this match. He is not going to play into whatever Ric Flair's bullshit is today. And so he puts Flair up on the top rope, superplex, and then a yes. sharpshooter Fuck, for I the win. Yeah, the, what, fucking Hennig gets up on the rope to try to, like, cheat. And the ref and just, is just like, Hebner, fuck you, get Hebner out. Hebner immediately catches him and is like, get the fuck out. And he's like, okay. Like, okay, I guess I the will. The most useless fucking heel consort you can have in the form of Kurt Hennig. Okay. Yeah, and then Brett Flair surrenders because this is before um, tap outs were a common feature in wrestling. Yeah, so, I, I was wondering about that. Yeah, that was that was majorly popularized by Taz and ECW, who took who stole it from UFC. Like that became really? like. Basically, MMA kind of popularized the idea of like tapping out, physical, like doing a physical motion like that, and then wrestling followed suit. So if you look at these older matches, it's like either they pass out or they verbally surrender. Oh my god, that's so wild that Taz helped bring that. I just assumed it was always a thing. Holy shit! Now that came that came with the rise of MMA. That particular that's, that's facet. fucking wild. Um, um but also, Brett in the hometown I, of his daddy has yeah, become the champion. The feel-good dub and the crowd loses its goddamn mind. There's this great like thing at like when Brett's making his entrance, we just get a close-up of like a random girl in the crowd who's just like happy that Brett's making his entrance. And then we cut back to her after the after Brett gets the dub, only to realize, oh shit, she's the like lucky crowd kid who got Brett's sunglasses. So like yeah, cute little wholesome yeah. like planning and payoff, even if it probably wasn't intentional. But still, um, yeah, sick fucking match, dude. Holy mm -hmm. shit. Um, 
And we cut back to Gorilla Monsoon with Brett, and he's like, "Yeah, that was a fucking awesome match. You're so uh, good. Yeah, the you're gonna, you're I was so a- right to coin. He's so he's so in the tank for Brett, and he's absolutely absolutely objectively fucking correct for being so in the tank for Brett Hart. Absolutely, and that Brett, is- yeah, and get fucking justifying my calling the elbow drop he did the people's elbow because brett fucking calls himself the people's champion Gaga. And, the, and and somewhere rocky maya v is like the fuck did you just say i feel a disturbance in the force i think he might still be i think i think rock would have still been in college with the with the u at that point actually um it might have been Anyway, we cut back to the house finally. Uh Alfred has been revived. He is no longer he is did not die. Yeah, Bush did Alfred's a hell of a CPR. Again. And also now there's just a huge hole in the ceiling. Uh for some reason. They are gonna do some plumbing. And remember, kids, the first step is safety, safety. first. They they they're like, of course, they're like, hey, Al. Stand directly under this pipe that we're going to be working on. And Lord Alfred, for some reason, obliges. And you know what? Whatever happens to him at this point, it that's just his own A fault. Little he bit should fair. know better. Um, he should know better. You know, I Butch, don't want to ever victim blame, but like, but like, come on. Butch starts loosening the pipes to this place because they're going to try to set up a bathroom or something. <laughs> and, and the best part is, once I kind of, as soon as I like fully registered like the bit they're about to do i like i clicked pause to write a note about it and right as i click pause it's like the water's coming down i, I click pause right as the water's coming down and like the millisecond before it hits lord alfred's fate like it's, it, i got the perfect shot of like mm-hmm. images that occur right before disaster <laughs> yeah so he gets splashed with water off the from the pipe Oh and amazes somehow a fish. Butch finds a fish, and even sure. he is like, "Where did that fish come from?" And then he starts licking the fish as we cut to the final match. Man, between of the shit day. like this, and between Lord Alfred being like tied up and abused by Sherry Martell and the Brooklyn Brooklyn Brawler, it's an absolute wonder. And, and like you know, all the shit he had to endure during like Tuesday Night Titans, they made body him. slams. Uh, fucking yeah, it's a wonder that like. Half this roster didn't get their asses sued by Lord the Alfred. The butt Hayes, monkey man. of the the butt monkey of the WWF. He could have sued Hayes. all these motherfuckers. He could have sued the pants off all these motherfuckers for a bigger payout than anything Vince would give him. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, anything Jack Tunney would give him. Of course. Of so course. the final match of the show is Razor Ramon versus The Undertaker. Yes, they're uh, they're they're really harping on the fact that Razor Ramon is the self-titled bad guy uh sorry no no no. it's pronounced badgy uh you know i'm uh the the badgy <laughs> never mind uh, i'm a bad guy yeah yeah it, no, it, yeah no yeah no it's pronounced badgy yeah also my first note was where the hell is beaumont texas apparently <laughs> <laughs> hey i get that reference oh, it's about right. time i bring the references here Beaumont? Where the hell is the hell Beaumont? Is Beaumont? I've actually never seen Footloose. Uh, that was that was the first community theater show I saw before I started doing community theater. Ah, well, myself. look at was that. Like, I saw a production of Footloose. What a cultured boy. Yeah, and that shit sticks with you forever. Um, yeah. 
Uh, uh, also, I noticed as Undertaker's making his entrance. So I noted fucking last episode. Uh, no, two episodes ago uh, during the Brawl for All. People had like fucking foam, foam finger hands, except the hands were just like the DX logo. Here people have foam hands that are just the fucking urn. What? What is with the fucking foam hands that WWF sells, dude? Why can they never they just love... be hands? Why no, are fuck that. wearing foam urn hands? No, fuck that. Gotta be weird and quirky. Yes. Um, Michael Hayes, Alfred Hayes, excuse me, Jesus, thank God Michael Hayes isn't anywhere near this uh, show. Uh, but Alfred Hayes talks about the Undertaker always smelling like formaldehyde, which also yeah, which is shouts out to me for spelling that right on a first try in my notes. Well, look at you. But then Gorilla Monsoon pipes in about how Bobby Heenan always smells like mothballs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember fucking last time we watched the absolutely out of pocket shot at Bobby Heenan. <laughs> yeah, well, because it cracked me up. Because first, I think it was I can't remember. If it was the, I think no, it was the last when we did fucking Paul Bearer's Tales from the Crypt. Whoever whoever the fuck was on commentary was like also point out like I fucking hate the Undertaker he always smells like formaldehyde there was that yeah and then fucking oh yeah Johnny Monsoon. Polo was yeah Johnny Polo fucking is like that bitch always smells like formaldehyde I want to kill him uh and then yeah Monsoon just buries the shit out of here <laughs> like yeah that that motherfucker we don't want to talk about people who smell uh, <laughs> oh my god. This match is honestly like Razor Ramon gets his ass kicked. <laughs> I know this man. He was selling. He like, was selling. He, had, he gets selling he gets like moments, but for the most part, it is the Undertaker doing the Undertaker thing. Oh, I'm I like, know. No sell. Just kind of whoop your ass. I know. He and does this, the fucking top rope jump and Razor like fucking. He flips and rolls and bounces into the ropes and falls back down again. He he is he is fucking he is selling that he is persistently sit he is coming to your doorstep and saying, "Can I sell this to you, please?" Mm-hmm. It's just it's so this Undertaker is so fascinating because like there's this element of like horror movie mon- slasher monster to how the Undertaker acts as a wrestler. I think this kind of there's this sense of like nothing you do can take this guy down it's like very michael myers yes yeah and yet he is a baby face now oh he is, he is the of faces people yeah, he, are losing their minds for him he turned heel within he turned face within like with actually this is pretty it's actually pretty recent now i think about it because he was still he was still a heel during the match made in heaven no okay he turned heel pretty soon late into 91 and after about a year of being a heel like he turned baby face yeah and so like it's such an interesting like the fact they keep this element to his character at well because well, they have to that's what got him over in the first place so i feel mm-hmm. like i feel like this is one of those like he just had to turn heel because he was so popular they couldn't keep him evil yeah they he's objectively to... kind of a cool character yeah and everyone loved it like Again, I I said this fucking during take or Paul Bear's Tales from the Crypt. I'll say it again. This should not the Undertaker should not be one of the most popular wrestlers of all time. He he is a fucking his, his gimmick is just as dumb new generation as as fucking knuckleball Schwartz, but because but because he's Mark so Kelly is a freak of nature, 
Uh, and because the setup spot is cool, all of a sudden, like, every, even people who don't know what the fuck, uh, like, a damn thing about wrestling have heard about The Undertaker. Yeah, it's it, so goofy, he, but it, it my, worked. My man, Mark Callis, was an extremely loyal company man. And he was able to kind of like keep the gimmick fresh enough to get through the Attitude Era. And then he takes the year, then he goes and does he his does dumb biker, biker shit. shit. The dumb biker and then, shit. And then by that, and then by 04, now you're like a nostalgia act. That you yeah. Can just keep going. Except he's still, he's still like the coolest nostalgia act ever. He, he is. That, he is the coolest nostalgia act ever. Yeah. He becomes a nostalgia act by 04, and it takes what? Another fucking 10 years for him to lose the streak? Yeah. And it takes another few years for the wheels to fall off as an in-ring wrestler for the dead for Undertaker. Yeah, literally. What? It was, I think, yeah, it was like 2017, like, was his match with Roman, which was kind of like his last 16, 16 and his matches with Brock in 2015 are pretty much universally considered, like, the last good Undertaker matches. Yeah. But, like, wasn't it the, was it the match with Brock or was it the matches with Roman were, like, he didn't do the sit-up spot where like he tried to sit up, but then he fell. His back. match with Roman was whereas when he didn't do the sit-up, because part of the story was like the I like the idea of the story is Roman is putting down old Yeller right now. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is kind of the is the kind of the which is hilarious for it a character that wouldn't retire me. for three more years. Yeah, but what the fuck else did he do in ring after that? Um he had a two-minute squash with John Cena. At WrestleMania 38. Wait, who squashed whom? He squashed Cena <laughs> at, at WrestleMania 34. Oh, amazing. At 35, I don't think he wrestled, actually. Now, I hold on. Because, like, I watched that. Surely he wrestled at WrestleMania 35. Like that's a know. long run. That's a, that would have been like the first time in 19 years he hadn't had a match at WrestleMania. Hold on, I'm out. Need to review the the match card. He didn't. Oh what the God. hell? I, all right. So 34 with Cena, and then 36 in the pandemic, he was gonna do a match with AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Oh fuck and then the pandemic hit and they turned it into a, like a pre-tape match thing that was honestly pretty fucking sick oh so he, so they okay so he only had like one real match after R- R- roman oh no i think he had a couple of saudi arabia matches oh. in between there oh of course of course saudi arabia's were all shit he nearly died bad. he nearly died fighting goldberg um uh anyway but but basically the story in the roman match was like you are an old man and i am gonna put you down i'm gonna euthanize you personally (laughs) which of course is so great for building up babyface roman reigns of course yeah (laughs) we're we're still trying to make him a face we're and everyone hates him but we're still (laughs) weird times anyway yeah basically Uh, point being undertaker no, most people wouldn't survive doing this Undertaker shtick for 30 years. Yes. And yet here he did. And he, this fucking match, the, toward the end, the uh, Razor Ramon does kind of get 
his spots, but it's to just knock Taker down and Taker just sits right the fuck back up again. It's like a goddamn comedy bit. Like, yeah, Razor Razor's Ramon just like, why straight, won't you die? Razor Ramon hits six straight elbow drops. And I know, Paul, and he still sits up. Well, what happens is Paul Bear jumps on the apron. Razor grabs the urn, and when he grabs the urn, Taker sits right up. He grabs the urn. Taker sits right up. He beans Taker in the face with the urn, Which and the Taker most still manages thing. to survive it. Well, this is more of like Razor's fault because he hits him with the urn and then Razor takes a solid 30 like, seconds to, to just, just glow. Yeah. This is, yeah. I was like, wait, is Razor actually going to get this dub? And then I was like, oh no, he's spending way too much time hot dog and ripperoni. Also, no. also a little earlier in the match, I just want to point this out. Paul Bear continues to be the greatest ham of all time. <laughs> you just get this great shot of him going like, oh, oh, oh like <laughs> he's got the goofiest face i love him um uh, <laughs> yeah um so so like after razor spends too much time hot dogging and taker like kicks out of his attempt at pitting him razor just bitch quits the match like he, he just, literally he just leaves. leaves and takes a count i think he, he, what he, a he fucking anti-climax what a fucking anti-climax of this tape dude Holy shit. We had Scott Hall great. said, I am not getting pinned tonight, brother. I <laughs> it ain't gonna work for me. Yeah, we fucking we had the fucking four-star banger of four and a half star banger, I'm I'll call it of, of Brett versus Flair. Uh and then we end with this Razor Ramon versus Taker match. This is just Taker beating up on Razor Ramon, and then Razor Ramon quitting when he realizes he's just not gonna win. No fucking sense of pacing. Why is this the match that we go out on? How fucking lame. God, so why is this match is here? It's so weird that, like, this tape is so clearly built around the Bret Hart stuff. I know! I get what I get. we have to do an ending bit for the house crap, but they can't even have the last matches be... Any the, good? The Bret's matches. Um, yeah. So we're back at the house. Alfred is in like a blanket and he is like sneezing and coughing. Yeah. And the bushwhackers seem to feel genuinely bad. And so they sit him down in this nice comfy chair and they're like, we got a special treat for you is they're going to sit him down and get a big TV and let Alfred Hayes watch all of his favorite Coliseum home videos. Oh no. Even, even worse than any of the OSHA violations committed today. They're getting meta. And so the Bushwhackers, first of all, when they sit him down in the chair and they got to go fetch the TV in a TV stand, they march to the other side of the room and they get the TV. And then they're like, we're going to go get some snacks and get some popcorn, get some soda. We don't get some popcorn. And then uh, Alfred Hayes is like, no salt, no sardine sandwiches. It feels like an inside joke. I don't know. I have and no idea. They're like, oh, okay. All right. No sardines. All right. All right. All right. And then they leave. And then Alfred Hayes is like, well, I guess I'm just going to sit here and watch my favorite matches. And I learned today that don't bring the Bushwhackers around when they're doing home improvement. All right. <laughs> what, a, what an ending. What a da 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 da. Why? <laughs> that was so goofy. This definitely was one of the better ones. That we had two insane banger matches and like the framing device was like, it was charming and fun. It was fucking stupid and not funny on its own terms. I, I, but I it feel, was fun. I, I, I lost my patience with it. I like, 
it's just I I realize I can only stand so much bushwhacker. I always thought myself as a bit of a of a bushwhacker apologist in a world of wrestling smarks that are largely kind of these guys are stupid shit. Because- I will say I did notice in the final scene, like getting really up close to their faces, man, both of their foreheads just have giant patches of blading scars. Been, they must have been, been real relief. You know, you know, you know what? I'm going to say they they earned their chance to just be goofy clowns in the Fed as like, you know, spend the last half of the last end of their career before retirement, just kind of like vibing out and doing dumb, goofy comedy bullshit. They I earned did. it. Oh, and I've always been like, I like the Bushwhackers, actually. And I realize that perhaps I do like the Bushwhackers in a maximum of five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there is sometimes food best in moderation best no, in moderation I, the bush I, I didn't i didn't hate this shit i thought it was charming enough it was stupid but like we got in small enough chunks and like the the attempts at comedy were so earnest that i can't hate it mm-hmm. uh i i in an ironic way liked cooking for the single man um i thought that was also great and then we had a couple of good matches and then well I guess the rest also happened. I guess. I mean, at least none debatable. of them were too long. Um, but yeah, we have, we have finished our journey through the Coliseum home video library. Yay. It was a wild ride to be sure. I'm glad we ended it on a pretty decent note though. <laughs> I agree. What a, you've had a lot of ups, had a lot of downs. Yes. Uh, it's been fun to kind of, explore these tapes on yeah it was it was it was an interesting little like tidbit of um of of just like again i was i was memeing about this in the front half but yeah like what was it like to like have to fucking scrounge out fed vhs's from coliseum back in the day to like watch shit it was such a different landscape it was a cool little exploration of that Mm -hmm. and so but it, it, this has been a fun diversion from some of our, our usual formatting here, but it, I think yes. it's time to go back to something a little bit more traditional for this mm. segment of, for this section of our schedule. So Ooh. what we are, what are Pretty we replacing this in the calendar is it's time for us. I think it's time. We're going to go to 1990 for this one. Uh, and I think it is time for a challenge. A I ch- think it's time for the ultimate challenge the, as the what? at WrestleMania six. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Oh no. It's it is arc. the Hulkster dude oh, no. versus speak to me. My warriors, the ultimate warrior. Oh no. Versus the ultimate no. warrior. No, Austin. No, no. <sighs> There's going to be so much rope shaking. There's going to be so much cocaine. I had to do so much work to make this arc possible. And I will say more about that in the upcoming. But yes, next, when we come back to the the 80s and 90s, we will be returning. We will be starting up Hulk Hogan, the build, the road to Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior at oh, WrestleMania God. 6. It's that sounds like it's going to be deeply unhinged and of questionable quality. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, no. This is all just a precursor so we can do the WCW version, which is even more unhinged and of oh, no. quality. No! It's a fucking two-parter! Time to sp- we're gonna spend a solid year just having yeah, to watch Hogan Warrior in there. Stuck with Hogan and and the Warrior. Oh God! Oh no! But that is for the future. For next time, we simply will return to Lucha Underground once again oh. for season two, episode five. Oh, as as we continue the journey of 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 the darkness has befallen the temple, but. We got there. We got Ray Mysterio, and we got Phoenix, and we got undercover cops, and we got time travel. So you know, shits nor- normal show, normal show, very normal wrestling show. Absolutely. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir, dear friends. Thank you all so much for joining us on yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are delighted to have you join us uh, for our show. Returning listeners, viewers, what have you, you know the drill. Thank you so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever it is you use to consume our content. We're just so happy to have you here. Uh, New people. Hey, hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for being here. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you're brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of the discourse, uh, either way, uh, we are so delighted to have you here. Uh, hope you had a great time. Hope everything was nice and accessible to you. We hope you want to keep coming back and having a great time with us. And I'm going to tell you every single way you can keep coming back to have a great time with us. Obviously, you're going to be using one of those to, to listen to us right now, but I'm going to hook you up with all of them, baby. So first of all, of course, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode Give us that sweet, sweet comment and like. Engagement helps us out a lot. Check out our playlist. Austin has been kind enough to organize all of the arcs that we follow into their own separate playlist so you can follow something all the way down without having to skip around a whole lot. It's great. And, of course, you can see our lovely faces and our beautiful little HUD that Austin set up for us and, and you know, all the little visual gags that we hide in here, us, you know, doing our best to imitate uh, Paul Bearer faces and and uh, whatever the fuck else, you know. Uh, Either way, uh, yes, Bushwhacker marching, another very important uh, pound on those invisible bongos, kids. Um, (laughs) Either way, uh, join us on the YouTube Noobs and Knockouts podcast. But, of course, if you are a fan of the audio-only experience, we understand and we have you covered there as well. You can find us on three of the best places to find your podcast, which would be Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Come give us a listen. Download the show. Uh, you know, give us maybe a nice little five-star rating if you're so inclined and a review that says, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Maybe more people should check them out. I don't know. I'm just saying, uh, give us that, uh, you know, any sort of engagement, whether listening, downloading, reviewing, et cetera, helps us so much. Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Um, of course, on top of that, we exist outside the little boxy void of our podcast space. We we have we got a little bit of social media going. First and foremost, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Noobs and Knox Pod. That's at Noobs, the letter N, Knox Pod on Twitter. We are, we, we're hanging out there. We post memes. We engage in discourse. We put up a post every single time. We drop a brand new episode. So you guys always know what the hell's going on. Highlight of our Twitter, of course, is weekly 
wrestling live tweeting. I'm kind of I've kind of been behind recently because I'm in rehearsals and and Austin's watching other shit. But at least in theory, as many Wednesday nights as we can on TBS at 8 p.m. Eastern time, we are watching AEW Dynamite and tweeting all about that. And then if I especially have like extra time and I'm not a zillion episodes behind, uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern on Friday nights uh, on uh, uh, on TNT, we are watching what else? AEW Rampage. It is the show that y'all been waiting on. It's the show that uh, y'all been waiting on to watch. To watch, uh, to watch, indeed. Why not watch I, 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 I've been waiting on on watching like the past four iterations of it. Uh, woof. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, you know, we we like to post all about that shit. I've been kind of taking the reins recently um austin austin does his thing too when he can uh on top of that of course austin is a steadfast uh he he's steadfast in keeping at least up a little bit with all of the companies um all the major companies and their pay-per-views sometimes they'll even tweet about it and we just kind of like to tell you guys about it because uh the pay-per-views are great jumping on points so my friend what is on the docket coming up Sure, for Impact Wrestling, they on March 24th. Hey, that is this Friday. Oh, uh, oh my, oh my. Um, no, uh, that they're having Impact Wrestling sacrifice. The, the, the spells disaster for you, it does spell disaster for some people, I'm sure. Um, Indeed. uh, that is on Impact Plus. That is their, you know, that is their, um, uh, that's their streaming service. But I believe also YouTube membership would offer ah, premium will also get you that's on the hook up there. Then ever WWE April 1st and ah, April yes. 2nd, it's coming. WrestleMania, WrestleMania. goes Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hmm? Hmm? Maybe may have, I would, if he shows up, I swear to Christ. <laughs> damn um uh but we we got some banger matches coming up on this show really roman reigns versus cody rhodes ah uh, yes gunter, adrenaline in my soul gunter versus drew mcintyre versus oh. sheamus oh i see title oh that's wild austin that's theory wild. versus john cena for the u.s title yeah that shit i saw like the fucking promo that cena cut on theory what the mm-hmm. fuck is happening uh, Austin Theory is either going to get really jabroni or he's going to about here. He's about to beat John Cena. He's about to put sure old he's man about to John beat John out to Cena. pasture. I think he's about to put old man John out to pasture. Yo, that would actually be kind of fucking sick. Uh, Edge versus Finn Balor in a Hell in a Cell match. Heck in a sec. Ooh. In a heck in a sec, indeed. It feels like Dom is going to fight Ray. Yeah, but, but they, they haven't they, done they that official anything. yet. Yeah. But it feels like that's what's going to happen. It feels like it should happen, right? Like He it keeps telling, it his, he keeps no telling Ray otherwise. how shitty of a father he is. Yeah. It, they, 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 this match has to happen, right? But yeah, also, like, totally. I feel like if you're going to do that, that has to be like Ray Mysterio's retirement, right? Yeah, that, that feels like it should be his retirement. And oh, I like mean, he is going in the Hall of Fame. He is going in the Hall of Fame. Oh, 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 is something. It's all cooked. It's all coming it's together. All, oh, oh, yum, yum. We shall see. And then for AEW, they, their next pay-per-view is all the way in May 28th. 
at double, double or, or nothing. nothing. And they just fucking announced Forbidden Door 2. Mercedes Monet maybe finally gonna show up in an AEW. That that honestly that I don't that would require her to hold the belt all the way till June 25th. I, I honestly kind of didn't think she would. So I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Now that that's on the table, maybe she's make she's gonna make a pit stop in Canada. That would be, dude. I will belt. laugh so. I'll laugh so hard either way. I will laugh if he does show up because, like, we all got suckered into thinking it was gonna happen earlier, and it just like took longer. And I'll laugh if she doesn't because, like, we just keep getting teased with the idea, and it just keeps not happening. All wrestling fans across all companies are like, "This is when Sasha comes, right? Right? He was doing it." AEW yep. fans did it. Now let's do it for AWX in JPW. It's be like, this is when Mercedes comes, right? Right. Damn, they're just gonna keep cock teasing on the, uh, this on us forever. I I honestly I'll laugh mm-hmm. if, if it's just if it's if it never happens, I will find it deeply funny. Yeah, it probably would be. Uh but yes. yeah, that is what is is coming up on the clock. Ooh, a lot of good stuff, friends. Yeah, if you're a noob, especially, check out some fucking pay-per-views, man. What a great jumping off, jumping off point. And, and hey, WrestleMania weekend, man. Let me tell you, the indie shows we got going on next, around WrestleMania next, next weekend. Week is our, next week is our last show before WrestleMania weekend, right? Yes, so. it so, should be. Yeah, so next weekend, I will resolve to having a list of all the indie shows so we can specifically talk those up. For sure, Effie's Big Gay Brunch is happening again. Um, there just there there's so many good mm-hmm. fucking pay-per-views to check out, guys. So and, and and just on top of that, following our Twitter, you know, if you like for some reason listening to us ramble about wrestling for multiple hours on end, don't know why you would, but it, you know, if you do, uh you have you I mean, have who else the- out there is covering Smack'em Whack'em and WWF World Tour? True. We are truly doing the lord's work austin in terms of wrestling media review only all right on nobody dares only on this podcast can we go from royal rumble 2014 to smack them whack them and across two episodes. nobody fucking dares nobody fucking dares tread on our ground we are the undisputed kings of this of this whole trade yeah no but either way it the voices carry over i think pretty well on the twitter you know uh so if you like our commentary here you'll probably like it there too so give us a follow on the uh on the twitter at noobs and knox pod of course if you want to get in super direct contact with us and maybe even some long form contact you can email us at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com that's noobs the word and this time knockouts pod at gmail.com come say hi to us tell us what you think about the show request things you want to see us cover on the show Tell us how based in Red Pill our, our hot takes are, how fucking dumb you think it is. Whatever it may be, start discourse. Just generally say hi. We love people saying hi. We would love to say hi back. Noobs and knockoutspod at gmail.com. And of course, finally, if you want to support the show, you know, maybe a little more of a monetary sense, uh, you can find us on Patreon. The link for it is in our Twitter. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. Shout out to, of course, who else? The Sugar Daddy, Kyle Smith, for his support of the show. Enjoy your perks, buddy. Thank you so much. If you want to hop on with our boy Kyle, enjoy some of these perks. I mean, it's just a single bone. It helps out the show so much, guys. You know, more, more than you would know. means the world to us and, you know, help can help us chug toward a future where this show can be even slicker produced and, you know, all that, all that good shit. So if, you, if you're feeling so inclined and you want some of those, you know, perk arenas, noobs and knockouts pod 
on Patreon. The link for that, once again, is in our Twitter. See y'all next time. Hasta luego.